What's up, everybody? Welcome to Bad With Names. I'm your host, Don Will, and right now I am freezing fucking cold because my landlord did not turn the heat on today for some fucking weird reason. It's like 40 degrees in New York City, 37 or something crazy, and I had to turn the space heater off so I can get a clean vocal take for you. Um, so my dedication to you is un- unending. You know, I'm, I'm sitting here with a hoodie on. I don't even have a hoodie on yet because I'm just trying to get this thing done so that I can go to my DJ set at Friends and Lovers. Um, yeah, so if you listened last week, you know that I was prepping my set last week for Friends and Lovers. It turns out I'll be there every Sunday. So if you're in Brooklyn, stop by, get a drink, get some of these smooth R&B Bay vibes. You know what I'm saying? I'm giving out Bay vibes for all the Bays out there. If you ain't cupcaking or if you need a cupcake, come through. We baking them cupcakes fresh. But, uh, yeah, this week I'm going to do a, 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 a... So... This week I'm going to do a special set because last night I hate watched the last half of the Aaliyah movie and I felt like somebody should do her some justice. So I'm going to play a little bit of Aaliyah, a little bit of Timbaland, a little bit of Missy, a little bit of Monica, a little bit of Brandy, a little bit of Ursher, a little bit of Mariah. I got some Escape in there. I got everybody in there. You know what I'm saying? I got, I got, I got a, a, a generous portion of jams, some fucking jams on deck. Come out next week because you're hearing this the next day after it happened um yeah but so for this week's guest i brought on carly hustle um i've known her for a while but we've never had an actual conversation we've just known each other through social media and like bumping into each other um so i reached out to her to see if she would be my guest and she said yes so what you're gonna hear right now is actually our first real conversation and it's quite a conversation it lasted like an hour and 40 minutes and we covered a range of topics uh you know you can look at the summary to see what topics we covered um but i'm gonna let you guys get into this episode because it's pretty long and it's pretty informative and it's really kick-ass if you want to know about quitting your job if you want to know about starting a new career if you want to know about street harassment and feminism or if you just want to hear somebody talk about their life and and leave your life for a little while i got an hour and 40 minutes of escapism for you coming up so without further ado i present to you the carly hustle episode of bad with names enjoy i really like doing intros so we're we're, we're there we're started. we're started all right cool so carly Yes, hello. Thank you for having me on this wonderful podcast. <laughs> Can I call you K-Dot? Or is that Kendrick's, is he taking that? Yeah, I would feel awkward about that because then you'd be comparing me to the king of New York and that would be awkward, right? You can call him King Kendrick. <laughs> okay. And Queen Bay. King B and King Kendrick. Okay, uh, sure. Whatever <laughs> you no. want to do, man. Carly Hustle. Um, a person, I don't think we've, we met a while ago. I don't really remember how we met. I know that... Um, you were doing the Who's Next series and STS performed. That's right. And I want to say around that time was when I, I met you. Yeah, I think so. I mean, honestly, I I don't really remember. I almost feel like even a few weeks ago when I saw you at the coffee shop was like really the first time that we really interfaced. Yeah. But we may have <laughs> yeah. interfaced like in other crowded spaces and been like, hey, what's up? But like, yeah. I didn't feel like it was like a real intimate meeting. So yeah, I mean, this is like, I feel like this is really the first actual meeting. This is our first conversation. It is. Taped. How... 
Odd as that. I've never had my first conversation with the person taped. It's very 2014, man. That's just <laughs> how things go these days. But I wanted to have you on the podcast simply because, um, one, I, I just, I've, I, I don't, I've never met, sat down and talked to you or met you, but I've followed you just through social media. Like, I know that um, you've done stuff with uh, Keezy P, you were part of her series. Sure. And just in general, in terms of you being a voice, you've been very vocal about just your hustle, you know what I'm saying? Like not, and not necessarily in, in the cliche way, but just in the way of just like, you know, your growth and development as a person and not necessarily just, hey, I'm out in these streets doing X, Y, and Z. Right, right, so right. It's really, and then like, you know, like it's your, your history in, in the scene, so to speak, is really interesting. Like you have this rich history with Hot 97 and with other radio. So I kind of wanted to get some background just for the listeners and for myself too. Sure. Uh, well, as far as like career is concerned. Career stuff. Let's go um, I'll, I'll start there. Uh, so I started doing radio in Portland, Oregon. Uh, I, my mentor, who is Ebro Darden, who now hosts the Hot 97 Morning Show, Ebro in the Morning. Uh, I actually met him about 13 years ago. And, you know, I was just really active in the hip hop community in Portland, Oregon. And he happened to be doing mornings at that radio station out there. So we met putting together a community event on in the park. He was doing stuff in Portland? That's correct. Oh, that's cr- I love Portland. He's re- originally from Oakland. He was yeah, doing radio that. in Sacramento, and he was he's probably like the youngest program director director to ever live of a radio station. I, you know, For program directors, he, I, I didn't really know he was the program director until recently, and I was like, he's kind of young for that. Yeah. Like oh, in, my, yeah. in my mind, I always thought program directors were like some old, tenured, 60-year-old man. Or he, something. He's <laughs> with, he was like a program director when he was like, teenager like which is crazy but it makes it makes sense based on what he's doing like how he's how he's groomed the station right now it makes a lot of right sense. so he basically you know saw what i was doing in the local hip-hop community like saw that i was just moving and you know trying to make things happen and make the community better and um put me on a street team uh at the time that he was running um and we used to you know snipe up posters for major record labels worked a lot of projects i got to work all the rocket stuff Oh, um, shit, really? Which was, yeah, really cool. I have, like, tons of 12 inches and, like, albums from that era that you can't, you know, find anymore. Or, like, and they're just totally they're in pristine condition and have them in somebody's air-conditioned uh, garage in Phoenix, Arizona. <laughs> as my stuff just gets strewn all over the place. Yeah, I was going to say Portland, Phoenix. You'll find out. Uh, <laughs> I've lived all over the place. So, uh, anyway, I started doing radio there and got on the street team and... Ended up getting an air shift, and then I basically uh, moved. So you to... were on air. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. What was that? Uh, I guess what was that experience like? Did you enjoy it, or do you yeah. think you would go back to it if you? Sure. Or I something mean, like it. Hot ninety seven is the first station that I worked at that I wasn't on the air. Oh shit. Yeah. Okay. I was on the air for well over a decade, and um, I was on the air in, in Portland. I moved to Salina, Santa Cruz, Monterey area, which is basically like South Bay area. I was on a station, a grandfather station there, big signal, so you could hear it in San Jose. Uh, did mornings in uh, San Diego and then moved to Phoenix and then moved to New York. So it's been, what's it's, I've lived in, I think, six cities and I've worked at six radio stations, something like that. Wow. Um, but yeah, being on the air is just something that, you know, once you do it, it's probably like being a musician. Like once you make a song, it's like you can't stop that. Yeah. <laughs> bites you. So. It, it, it's definitely, I can see it as one, like even just doing this podcast, it's one of those things where, after an episode comes out, I'm just like, I can't wait for the next one. Yeah. Like, I've been excited about this conversation f- since since you said you were, you agreed to do it. I'm like, yes. Yeah. I can just interview somebody, you know. <laughs> it's fun, right? I yeah. mean, it's, you know, and it's it's just a way to, like, contribute to the world. And, you know, 
everybody who has access i mean there's a lot more people that have access to doing that now just based off of technology and how you know everybody quote unquote has a voice everything's yeah. been so democratized that anybody sitting in their you know room can you know make a podcast and contribute something to the world and sometimes that's good and sometimes it's not i was just gonna <laughs> ask you how do you feel about that because i feel like in a certain way especially coming from a, a the standpoint of just a, a pure recording artist like a musician sure that there's a certain grooming period, like when you when you're doing demos, that everybody shouldn't hear in a, in a certain way. Like, I mean, it's 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 this intimate thing where I did stand up recently. And, um, it was filmed, and I was going to put it up on Facebook. I was like, I want people to see this. Right. And I sent it to my homeboy, and he's just like, Sometimes you just do stuff for yourself. Sometimes it's about learning your thing, and then you know you refine it, and then you put it out. Right. The same as with music. And I never thought about that with stand up because I'm just like, well, people saw it. Mm-hmm. But you know, and then when you look at comedians like Chris Rock who go and do a set. And they're like, nobody can film this because I'm working out my jokes versus a younger comedian who's just like, film it so everybody can see my jokes. Like the 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 newer generation, the younger generation are kind of groomed to just share their art as they create it versus people who want to refine it. So it's. Yeah, I mean, I think that you have to have respect for the process. And I don't think there's a lot of respect for that process anymore. And I even see that within myself, you know, um, with some of my writing and things like that. I'm basically writing installments about my life right now. And I just wrote 10 of them all together. And instead of posting them one by one, I'm releasing them now as collections. And even just like doing that to not release that one, like, oh, this is good. Or, oh, I want to tell this story now. That impatience, that like need to just constantly have this like validation oh, I want people to read this and like it and share it and, you know, right now. And I think that it, it shows a lack of respect for the process. It shows a lack of discipline um, and a lack of dedication to, like, really making sure that, you know, your shit is right before right. you, you know, you send it off into the world because, and I'll stop talking in two seconds, there's <laughs> this, um, there's this documentary <laughs> called Press, Pause, Play, which is basically about the democratization of the music and the film yes. business, right? Yes. Uh, have yes. you seen it? I've, I've, it's in my Netflix queue. You need to watch it. Okay. Um, and basically the whole premise of it is, you know, what happens when you take down the barriers and the silos fall to like and the obstacles to like be able to put something artistic out into the world and those have really fallen like anybody can buy this equipment for fairly cheap like the barriers to entry have disappeared right right? and so when that happens anyone can do it which on one hand is great yay everyone can do it and on the other hand is god damn it everything is so mediocre (laughs) because it just brings the overall quality of everything down to the point where you're sifting through all this crap in order to like find something good so the good stuff gets lost and the bad stuff starts to become popular and hot and mess ensues. That's how we get to where we are because back when I did my first demo, the first ever song I recorded, we had to save up money for studio time. F- after finding a studio, get the engineer to even take us seriously enough to take our money because he's like, I don't just don't record anything. It's my fucking livelihood. You know what I'm saying? And then after we recorded it, it's just like, what do we do with this now? We have this thing we did. So the buried entry is it, like, I can go on my phone record a verse onto SoundCloud and literally hit publish and it's there right. for the masses. So the barrier to entry is, is, is obliterated. Like it's it's a crazy it's crazy how far we've come in terms of content creators versus how how far quality has slid back, you know? That's right. Yeah. yeah. I mean it's it's scary and you know, I, I don't know that I would want it the other way before because I think there was, you know, there were so many politics involved and so many right, barriers involved right. to, for people to express their creativity. They couldn't do it. They deserved to have that voice for whatever stupid reason they weren't able to. And, um, you know, now everyone can do it. But I just, I don't know. You kind of wish that there would be like a happy medium, I guess. But, you know. 
It's the catch twenty two. Yay, extreme. That's America. <laughs> balance. Life is about balance. Yay, polarization. <laughs> we don't but have so, a lot of it. Keeping up with the um with your history of radio, you were you had like a I wanna say instrumental position with uh the summer jam things, right? Sure. Like you were kinda in a lot in a lot of ways you were largely responsible for the programming of it. I don't wanna I don't wanna um say it the wrong way. So yeah, with Summer Jam, um I mean, my main passion project was the Who's Next platform, which was and is still, but I'm no longer doing it, a monthly program at SOBs uh, to highlight and showcase up and coming talent. Um, And, you know, a lot of people have come through that stage over the years. I took it over about (laughs) a a year and a half ago. But, you know, I mean, while I was doing it, we had, um, you know, Travis Scott, Chance the Rapper and Vic Mensa and a lot of people who had not crossed over into this bigger space yet. Um, So that was my passion project. And then as far as Summer Jam is concerned, um, for the past few years, I have been producing the Summer Jam Festival stage. Um, which I like to gloat about because the Summer Jam Festival stage was a really successful this year. It was 18,000 people. And, you know, when you look at, like, the rival station, Power 105, their powerhouse, which is their yearly show, is 18,000 people. So basically you can take their yearly show, set it in our parking lot, (laughs) and that's, you know, that's our (laughs) pre-show. Our real show is the 60,000 person bowl that happens uh the main stage and i also did all the logistics for that as far as like putting everything together on spreadsheets and communicating who needs to be here who where when and labels and artists and managers and getting people passes and like all all that stuff is very um time consuming and really detail oriented so yeah i did a lot of that production yeah and like i i can say from i've put together festivals here and there in cincinnati like one or two when i was living in ohio and the scale of my festivals, like the most I ever had in mind, was like a fifteen hundred person, like a one thousand five hundred. I think I said the number. Wrong. I'm bad with numbers and I'm bad with names too. But like one thousand five hundred okay. people. Mm-hmm. But so I can't, uh, and it was fuckery, cluster fuckery there. I cannot imagine handling that number of people logistically and like from a production aspect. It has to get. I mean, I know you have like a staff and a team working with you, but sure. it has to just become. One of those things where, like, for the for the week of and maybe the next few days after, you just shut the fuck down. Like, <laughs> nobody call me. I'm just going to get in the, uh, under the covers and eat ice cream for a couple of days or yes, something. Yes, you got that right. I yeah. mean, the cool thing about it was, you know, first of all, Excel spreadsheets, my best friend. Everything is on an Excel sh- spreadsheet. Everybody has. That's where I start. Like, I have a master sheet, and then I pull off information that individual artists need off of that. And so not everybody gets all of the information because then people start swapping information, like who's going on when, and then it becomes like, why is yeah. someone so going on before me? Like, I just try you... to eliminate all those clusterfucks, right? right? There's, there's that thing all too All the ego happens, right. and all of that bullshit, yeah. So, um, and I definitely buffer it with hip-hop time because motherfuckers is late. Word up. So, <laughs> I, you know, all of those things you have to, like, consider, but I really feel like those experiences are, you know, I just, I loved producing those and putting those things together as much work as they were, even who's next, you know, there's, there's issues that go along with that. That's a 400-person, 500-person venue, but um, it really just gave me the confidence to, to, you know, know that, like, wow, you know, I was a part of that. I was an instrumental part of right. that. And it really gave me a lot of, you know, professional um, self-esteem. And I want to <laughs> say, honestly, that's the thing that I, I think that I, I know you for first is that you were a part of putting Summer Jam together. Because I've never been to Summer Jam, but I've always been interested in it. Like, you know, like as a person that moved to New York, like right. Summer Jam is just like fucking the Fresh Fest sure. in my mind. You know, like for this generation, it's, just, it's this thing where 
New York is this mecca of entertainment and culture and like hip hop converges to put together the show once a year. So yeah. like that was where I was like investigating. I like to research. I'm like, oh, who put Summer Jam on? Like, oh shit, Carly. Oh, great. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, I was a big part of it, but you know, yeah. th- there's a huge, huge no. team, a lot of, a lot of different folks. And, you know, obviously Ebro, who is, you know, a level above me, who calls shots and puts together lineups and, and creates moments. And, um, you know, he is such a, genius man yo ebro he, he is such a genius ebro so he is like you said it best he's a genius but like listening to him talk is just, just fucking captivating like i couldn't imagine sitting in the office all day with him just like what the fuck and we're I, going to war every fucking hour of the day right now <laughs> yeah i've been i've known him for 13 years and he you know i'm the the godmother to his child i oh wow he's been the same person ever since yeah. I think New York and the competitive landscape of terrestrial radio and the resources continue to shrink and all that has, I think it's made him um, a little more aggressive and a little more harsh, but like I'm the same way, you know, since moving yeah. to New York and competing on this level and even just living on this level, you it, know, it changes you. It I mean, does. it changes you to the point where like even just something as simple as getting on the subway in the morning is like a fight. It oh, can yeah. be a fight. So, you know, like it's not even about competing with your peers all the time, but it's just about Hey, I'm here too. Yeah. I'm here too. Like, look at me also. You know what I'm saying? Like, so I, that competitive thing, it's more. It, it can be more so about just wanting to be heard. hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. And you know, my friend came to visit me, and she lives in Portland, and I lived in Portland for a number of years, Portland, Oregon. And um, she's like, "Oh my gosh, you! This place has changed you." Because <laughs> you know, this like crazy person walked up, and okay, so. I mean, I don't know if you're if you're listening, if you know what I look like, just you Google me, okay? And then if you don't know what I look like, Google me. If you do, okay, then you know what I look like. Um, and, you know, she's probably a good foot taller than me, like dark skin, black woman, like slender. Like, just we just look quite different. Um, and so this guy walks up and he's like, are you guys twins? And she's like <laughs> laughing, and she she's like she's like so crazy, you guys like look so much. He was clearly tripping out on something, yeah. and she was super amused and laughing and like playing along with him. And like, yeah, we are. How did you know? It's crazy. A lot of people don't pick up on that. And I didn't laugh, and I was just like, come on, let's go. And she's like, you know, this city has changed you. You, you used to yeah. <laughs> all the things that you used to like find amusing and go along with, and now you're just. <laughs> Like even like you <laughs> might you might have you might have found it amusing and went along with it somewhere else at this in in this same year, but not in New York. No, that, no, no, it's just no. no. It's that's just every day. Perfect example. Shit. There's a woman on my block who she she just begs for money all the time. And like the, when I first moved, I'm just like, oh my god, I got to give this lady some money. Mm-hmm. Like a year or two later, I'm like, yo, she has on some fucking new shoes. Like she doesn't really like that's her hustle and yeah. she's out there every fucking day yeah. and she doesn't make eye contact with me but she knows that I know so like I'm like I don't have any money for you today that's right what up you know what I'm saying and maybe not again for another few months because <laughs> you, you've been working this corner for a long time maybe go down a couple blocks let us get you know used to you not being here come back and resurface again right. and maybe it'll be like some brand new shit <laughs> exactly but you know there's also some really um, inspiring moments on the street in New York and if you don't mind if I share this anecdote uh, when I was working down, you know, um, in at Hot 97, which I guess is, I don't know, is it considered, sh- like, sort of Soho Chelsea border? I don't, yeah, it is. It yeah, is. right? Yeah, it is. So, um, 
every time I would walk to work and like go for lunch, I would see this little old man, um, all kind of hunched over, like with a cane. Right. And he had this like little dog and well, not little, the dog was pretty big, but he was just old, just like the owner. Like he had these like big tumors. Like you could see this dog had been with this dude for a long time. Like gotta be 15 years. Right. Okay. Yeah. And it was always them two together, just walking super slow, hunched over, little dog, like, limping, trying to, like, you know, just go on their little walk or whatever. And, you know, it was so sweet to see them two together all the time. And then one day I, after maybe, yeah, close to three years working at Hot 97, I saw the dude, the little old man, like, walking by himself. Oh, man. And, yo, my heart just sank, dude. And I started getting tears in my eyes. I was like, yo, his dog. and, And then I saw him again, no dog. And I just wanted to cry and then i wanted to walk up to him and be like bro are you okay like what happened you know but i don't know him i didn't want to like be in his personal space but little things like that happen too where you're just like you you never went up to him no i I would have had to be like hey man i couldn't are you okay i didn't even know if i was in the emotional space to be able to like get it out because things like that like people become fixtures you know what i'm saying even people you don't know so there's there are people on my blocks that i on my block that i I've seen for like five years now and I don't know them. They don't know me. We may head not each other like, what up? Right. But in my mind, I have a narrative and I, I've seen them interact with other people enough to know enough about their life, about what kind of people they are. You know what I'm saying? So if I see something missing from their natural environment, from their environment that I'm used to, I'm like, oh, something happened. Yeah. I might have to check in. I might have I don't blame you. I don't I blame you. I'm bad. not faulting you. My roommate was like, you should have said something to him. And I was like, I know. And then she was like, let's make a pact, to you and me. Like, if we see somebody in distress, <laughs> we should say something to them. If you, you see know. something, say something. <laughs> That's right. So That's we right. have the guy right now. He's going to come out. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> Yo, it's so sad and crazy. And I think about that guy all the time. This little old man with this little, little dog. And I wrote this little Instagram post about it. And I, I don't know. And, and a lot of people who worked in the area who happened to be following me on Instagram coworkers and people who work for other radio stations around and we're like, oh my God, that guy, his dog is gone. Really? That's so terrible. I see him all the time. And so yeah, you're right. The people become fixtures and they yeah. become a part of your life, even, you know, as a, a you know, kind of like a exterior. Like a like a, a background character or something. Yeah. Yeah. And while we're on the top, well, we're not on the topic. I guess I'm going to shift gears a little bit. While we're not on the topic. <laughs> while we're not on the we're topic. We're going to stop talking about this old man and his dog. <laughs> it's making me sad. It's making me mm-hmm. sad. But um, I know you guys, last, this is the last thing about the uh, the your history. Uh, okay. And then we'll get into uh, There's so much of present. it. So. Yeah, there's so much. It's, it's, we only have like an hour or so to talk. Yeah, let's go. But um, so the VH1 show, how was sure. how was that? That's oh, a man. really dumb question, but how was it? How was the VH1 <laughs> show? So this is Hot 97. I enjoyed it, by the way. Did you? I did. Good. I enjoyed it, too. I thought it was great, but, you know, I, I don't I don't know that people were expecting to see a show like that on a network like that um, from a, a cast of characters like us, I guess. They I did. I, I, people wanted it to be like the Ratchet Hour or something. Yeah, again. and, you know, that's what they came to us with originally was, yeah. hey, let's do Hot 97 Ratchet Hour and Flex can go off on so-and-so and Angie can fight with whoever. And um, we were like, absolutely not. That's never going to happen. If you're interested, we will do something that's more of like an office but with like a hip-hop vibe and something that's a little more like Portlandia snarky and like a little sketchy and fun. And that's what I got in that shit. Like, for me anyway, it was super refreshing because I didn't know what to expect for one, but I'm a fan of I'm just a fan of it in general like Rosenberg and Cypher you know what I'm saying so I'm like whatever they do I'm gonna tune in 
And I'm like, okay, this is a little bit offbeat, but it's 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 what I you know like what I would like to see. You know, it, it, I think from what I know, they're not going to do another season. But I don't work at Hot 87 anymore, so there may be d- discussions about that. But as far right. as I know, no. Um, but you know, it's something that I. I'm super proud to have been a part of. I will stand next to you forever. Like, I'm not ashamed of anything that happened on that show. Um, it was not scripted. There were definitely scenarios. It wasn't scripted? No. There were oh, scenarios wow. that, like, hey, in this scene where we want to get to this end, go. It was totally improv all the way through, right? Yeah. Um, the that's, thing that happened during that show was... That's impressive. Yeah. Considering, like, the level of... Like, that's really impressive. I guess that I guess that just... just uh, displays how much of a family how much camaraderie it was though you know yeah and it's also like in a radio person you know our wheelhouse to be able to like improv and turn it on and turn it off and like you know you hit the mic and you say this and you get it and you get out and you're always kind of trying to get that zing at the end and you know like it's it's very um tv's different than radio in the fact that you know at least terrestrial radio live radio which is where we all come from on the radio side um in that you once you crack the mic, it's out there and it's gone forever. Like, you can't take it back. <laughs> yeah. There's no edits. There's no, you yeah. know, redos. Like, it's done. So with TV, you know, we would sometimes do the same scene 9, 10, 11 times, like, to ad nauseum just to get the right takes and the right camera angles. And if we miss this person's expression or that person's expression. And, you know, I think that was probably the hardest for everybody was um, having to, like, redo things over and over again because we're not used to to having to reenact things right. and, and and try to make that feel not forced or not organic or or whatever. So I think that was the biggest challenge, but it was a lot of fun and um, I'm super glad to have been a part of it. I thought it was great. Um, I think I don't think Angie liked it. I think I heard an interview where you know somebody brought it up and she was like, oh yeah, that. So I don't think she was really feeling it. Um, and, and that's okay. I, I loved it though. I thought it did, was dope. Did you like it enough to... Are you interested in doing like more television stuff or more stuff on camera? Like I, you seem like, I know that the, your um, hustle brand, the bow tie, celebrates the behind the scenes. People. Right, right. So I can I know that you have a, a, a large passion for being behind the scenes, but do you see yourself being on camera or on air? I mean, I think we talked about the on air again thing again already. Um, yeah, I think absolutely. Yeah, again, I, I think it's just my natural state to yeah. be a public figure or personality or something. You know, I was a local celebrity in, you know, Phoenix basically for right. ten years. I married that market and I was there and I was throwing parties and everybody knew me and that kind of thing and you know, um sometimes it was like over the top because it's you know, I I definitely had a different look than anybody else in Phoenix. You know, the bald head was like really Signature. really radical <laughs> yeah. you know for that kind of red state and it, i mean yeah stories about phoenix man i could tell you some crazy shit but i still had a great time there um but you know yeah I, I would say like it's definitely in me to to do that and i would love to do whatever comes my way tv radio um as far as the behind the scenes stuff you know i think that the hustle bow tie that physical manifestation of this tie was really born out of the frustrate there are parts of being behind the scenes that are really frustrating for somebody who had been in in the forefront for such a long time having to scale back pull myself all the way back not be on the air every day really be the one that was facilitating all of this greatness which was very rewarding like you know in order for flex to be flex he has a team of people that lets flex be flex and i was one of those people one of those many people um which is great but i think there's a certain level of frustration behind the scenes you know um when you you know you do get taken for granted or people don't know what you do and they don't understand how instrumental you are 
And so the hustle bow tie was really just like a, hey, this is me in a physical form wearing something that shows that, you know, my grind is important too. You know, I'm an unsung hero. I'm an, you know, people who do engineering and people who are, you know, cinema, cinematographers and, and photographers and, you know, who... The people who really drive the industry. They drive yeah. everything. Yeah. And just the respect that, you know, those people deserve. And I was one of those people. And so I was like, hey, you know, I want to share this um, sentiment with other people. So that's what that's about. Well, that's a good time to take a break because we're going to get into that next. So we'll be right back. Yo, yo, what up? Don Will, bad with names, and I forgot to mention there's another special guest involved with this episode. He goes by the name of Steel Tipped Dove, and he actually recorded and engineered the entire conversation that you're hearing. So if it's crystal clear and wonderful sounding, give him the thanks. Matter of fact, Google him, Steel Tipped Dove. He has an album coming out this week, and while I don't know the name, I can tell you it'll sound just as good as this podcast. Maybe better. But I'm not going to take credit away from myself and say that my shit doesn't sound awesome too. So it'll sound equally as awesome. And if you're in the market for new music in general, check out that Don Speaks. Me, Dash Speaks, Weekend Money, Spec Boogie, Ilias, Von P Stops by for a feature, Fat Tony in the building. All over Dash Speaks, wonderful production. So, yeah, that's that. Uh, remember when I said this episode was long? We're coming up on the longest segment. It's an hour long, but it's great conversation. It's something I felt like you needed to hear. Otherwise, I wouldn't have recorded it. So, lock in. Get ready. As soon as this outro is over, it's going to start. All right, so we've, we've talked a little bit about a little bit about your history in radio. That's and right. now we're up to the point in your life, which is today, where... You're Not a free radio. agent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you have a pretty cool like web series on YouTube right now called "How to Quit Your Day Job." Right? Hashtag How to Quit Your Day Job. It's hashtag How to Quit Your Job. How to Quit Your Job. I'm yeah. sorry. And when I saw you do it, I was like, "Yo, this is brilliant." And as I watched it unfold, I'm like, "I've kind of been doing this all the like like the main parts of it. I've been doing it intuitively. Yeah. Just like you know, as a person who's trying to survive on their own without a job i mean i have like freelance gigs and stuff sure but as a person who like is self-employed it's just it's innate that if you're going to be successfully self-employed you have some of these traits and qualities what has the response been from people who i guess have has, has anybody ever has anybody quit their job successfully based on your advice yet well the interesting thing is uh just yesterday i found out that uh, a radio personality in phoenix uh recently resigned and I saw it on a Facebook feed, so I hit him up. And I was like, "Hey, dude, you good? Everything good?" He was like, "Yeah, I was watching your videos." And like, <laughs> I was like, "Oh shit!" You out here getting people not fired but quit. You getting people resigned? Oh, he was like, "Yeah, you know, some, you know, things were happening and it wasn't working out." And I was like, "You know what? I'm out of here." So yeah, I mean, it's pretty cool to kind of be a part of the process that um, hopefully encourages people to take risks and try different things. You know, yeah. you don't have to quit your job permanently. That's not necessarily what the series is about. It's more about at least giving yourself the opportunity to have some time in between jobs, even or in between, you know or just maybe give yourself a t some time to get a business off the ground. Right. Um, 
But, you know, I, I, it really is, and for most people who watch it, I feel like it's really more of an affirmation. Like you had said, you've already sort of been intuitively doing all of these things. It's sort of an affirma affirmation that you're on the right track. Yeah, because, like, when I watched it, like, the, um, so I, I brought, I, I put them on a list, and the five that stuck out to me the most, live beneath your means is one thing that I've always done because I've always been conscious of, like, building a savings account and just having money in general, you know right. what I'm saying? So living beneath your means... I think that people who don't want to quit their jobs should still, you know, just think about that in general. Right. It's really important that, you know, you not even if you don't have a budget built, like you should have X amount of dollars in the bank for emergencies yes. and, and whatnot. Always. Like yeah. my amount is ten thousand dollars. That's been, it. I the, mean, in cash so, and I have money in other places, too. But in liquid cash, the funniest shit is like literally three days ago, I was having the same conversation with somebody about. My goal is $10,000 in savings. And I've always had that goal. I've had that goal for like five years to get $10,000 in savings. I'm close to it. You know what I'm saying? It like, takes time to get it, there. But once you're there, it's easier to maintain. Yeah, it's a lot easier to maintain because you have it. And then like you can, you know, you can think about other things. You can really like finance isn't necessarily this, this monkey on your back so much. Exactly. It gives you the freedom to like have the space to breathe where if I have 10 grand in the bank and my boss comes to me and says some shit and it's really just that's it. That's <laughs> all I can do for this yeah. life at this job. I can be like, look, bro, I'm out in two weeks. Right. I have $10,000 and I'll figure it out by the time I run out of that money what I'm going to do next. And that's exactly what yeah. <laughs> I'm doing right now. So, so. And, like, I'm imagining your... Um, leaving your leaving your position at Hot 97 it wasn't like some it was just it's time for me to go and do yeah. my thing it wasn't so yeah, like, like some you know yeah. fuck you like honestly it's it wasn't that at all it was just like you know when you you just know that right. you'd served your purpose and that if anything you were either going to plateau or begin to devolve instead of yeah. evolve um, and that's where I was. I was like, yo, I need to I need to make some moves. Now. So have you ever in your life quit a job in a blaze of glory? Has there ever been one of those? Like tipped over the desk? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like burned the building down like Milton? Exactly. Um, Did you get your stapler? Nah, nah. You know, I mean, I still have cognizance yeah. that like reputation is really all you have. So you have to make Definitely. sure that you don't like do too much, you know? I, think, just, nah, I think I did it once in high school, like at Pizza Hut. I worked at Pizza Hut like when I was 16 or some shit. And I th I'm pretty sure I walked out on that job. Sure, it was, that it was sounds like, like a, something a 16-year-old yeah. would do. You know, but I haven't, I've never done it to like an actual real employer. Like I remember when I, f when I was living in D.C. for a little while after we released our first Tanya Morgan record, we were going on tour. And I was so cautious, cautiously tiptoeing around telling them I wanted to quit to go on tour that, you know, it took me a while when I finally told them. The boss was like, well, you can always come back if you want to. But, you know, like, you can't... She I th she said there was a stipulation where if I was gone more than 45 days, I couldn't come back. But she tried to make it so I would have time, like, leave and whatever. That's nice. I mean, that was nice of her. It she was really nice that. of her, but I was like, I'm going to be a rapper. <laughs> <laughs> I won't be back. But in the back of your head, you're like, well, just in case it doesn't work out. I'll see you maybe I think about, in 44 days. Yeah, I think about that job at least every two months. It was such a good job. Oh. Great job. What was it? I was in a... Uh, I was an event planner for a corporate law firm, for corporate law firms. Oh. So I just kind of like did photography, came to hotels and tasted food and like planned events and shit for them. It was a cool gig. If you're going to do a job, that sounds like a pretty cool one. I'll never do. find another one like that. Well, I I'll make know. my own like that. Yeah. Or you could start your own company exactly. where you can do that all day. Another one you have is have a positive mental reel, which mm -hmm. is mm -hmm. 
I think that for people not even trying to quit the job, just for people in general, that's important. But when you're when you're like out in this out like in the world making your own way, it's so easy to wake up and be like, "What the fuck am I doing right now?" Yes. Like, or like watching your bank account, thinking, "Oh my god, this was the worst mistake ever." Yes. Like, there are a million and one things that can attack the <laughs> yes. way you feel about yourself, and then maybe like throughout this you know like throughout the week you may get like two or three confirmations that oh this was the right decision to make mm-hmm. and even when you get those confirmations they have a, a expiration date so like it feels good and it feels good unless you understand it'll feel good unless you understand like okay work is supposed to get me more work okay. so if i do a good job right now i'll get more work to do that's and that's at a, at a corporation like at a corporate gig if you're doing your job you keep your job you that's know what right. i'm saying that that that's just one of those things that goes both ways yeah, I, I think, you know, in general, having a positive mental reel is important, no doubt. But when you, like you said, if you're doing something that sort of flies in the face of what's conventional, you're going to have a lot of people who, if they're not saying it, you can tell that they're feeling it, yeah. <laughs> you know, as far as like, what the fuck are you doing? You'll, yeah. you'll, you know, you're going to fail. You know, I had somebody tell me that, you know, New York is going to chew you up and spit you out, you know, unless you really have a plan, like what's your plan and what are you going to do? And, and the thing is, is like, dude, fuck plans, man. Like, I can't live my whole life, you know, as an Excel spreadsheet. I'm great at doing those things and that's awesome. But like, sometimes I need to just like let my hair down right and you know just do something different and you know i've done it before i quit a radio job before and i did the same thing i had the ten thousand dollars in the bank and i moved somewhere cheaper and i was like yeah let me just figure this out and i had amazing jobs and did amazing things i was in social work and i was making my own schedule and i was throwing events i was just doing all kinds of cool shit and then ebro called me and got me back into the radio game but i had no intention of getting getting back into it um so you know you just don't know What's out there, um, and, and I don't know if you, I don't know if, I don't, rem- I don't remember all the steps. Isn't that sad? They're my steps. But I've got them all written down. <clears throat> don't make your world small is like a huge part of it. And I don't know if that was like yeah, one of them, but you know, when you make your world small and you limit yourself, you don't know what else is out there. So sometimes you literally have to push yourself out of your comfort zone into a different space. And then all these other doors start opening. Well, you, you know, the thing is, the, the thing I live by is that if you're not uncomfortable, you're not growing. Yeah. Like, like, you know, growth is uncomfortable. Like, yes. It's, it's painful. Like, when you wake up and you don't can't fit your shoes anymore, that hurts it to take, th- take those footsteps. So, you know what I'm saying? Like, I agree with not making your world small also. Like, it's one of those things, like, just like with the podcasting thing, it's something I've been meaning to get back into for a long time. And I was just like, well, there's no better time to do it than now because I'm comfortable in everything else I'm doing. I need to, I need to like, start stretching again. It's on your doing list. Right. You're doing it. You're doing this. It's not your to-do list like you'll do it someday. It's on your doing list. It's happening now. So do you have a physical doing list? That's one of your things is keep a doing list. Do you have a physical one? Yes, absolutely. Well, I mean, it's it's in my phone. I don't write it down like on, on paper. I like, I like paper. Yeah. Some people are into that. I used to run a calendar on paper and I really appreciated it. But now that I'm not sitting at one desk, you know, 50 hours yeah. a week, for me, it's just easier to put it on my phone. But yeah, and, it's a running list on my phone. And my, li- my list is on my desk at home because I spend a lot of time working at home. So like it, it's literally like it's, it's beautiful. It's hand drawn yeah. graffiti lettering. It's, it's like this list that I just it grows and I, I enjoy writing. It's almost therapeutic for me to make my to do list. Yeah. And break it off into small lists. And you cross stuff off. And yeah. like, you know, it's very, it's very like cathartic and visceral. It's just like, ah, that's done. Yeah. Or things become irrelevant and you cross them off, not because they're yeah. done, but because you just no longer want to do them anymore. And, and that's also OK. You have to give yourself permission to do that. The other thing you said is keep commit to a routine. And it's one of the things that it, it struck me as it's something I 
you know, I do it, but like everybody has a different routine. So like I'm, I shower usually at like five or six after I'm done. I shower at night and I shower in the middle of the day. But you're like, I shower when I wake up and then I, I go leave the apartment and work. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily leave my house a lot. And I noticed that um, if I don't, like the day when you saw me at the coffee shop, I hadn't left the house in like two or three days. And I was like, I have to get the fuck out of here. I'm going to like go the fuck insane. Right, that's right. It's really healthy to see other people. And like, I know that as a, a, a person who works from home and freelances from home, in a lot of ways, it's it's hard to it's it's hard to pull yourself out when that when that's your work environment. Like if you yeah. consider that your office space, mm-hmm. and it's comfortable work there, it's hard to like leave that space. But it, it's just that conundrum of just like I work my best here, but I have to get out and, and be around people. Yeah, <clears throat> I think you know since I recorded that particular video, I think I have. Uh, I definitely do the shower thing almost every day of the week at the same time, even on the weekends. To be honest, it's yeah. just something I just have a routine. But, you know, sometimes I'm giving my, myself the permission to be like, you know what, I'm going to wait until a little later. Or, you know what, I'm going to lay in bed for an extra 45 minutes. Like, that's why I made the decision that I made was so I could have some flexibility. Right. And it's about giving yourself permission to be like, yo, maybe I will work from home for two days. Guess what? When I work for, from home for two days, I also don't spend any money for two days, you know? So I'm yeah, saving yep. money. And those, those are things that, you know, I'm trying to use as actual functional and logistical strategies to, like you know, watch my finances. Um, but yeah, it's absolutely important to like push yourself, even, you know, if you get up and get dressed and even if you have nowhere to go specifically, yeah, just going to the coffee shop and setting up shop and just being around the energy of other people who are yeah. doing similar things as you. I think there's like that transference that happens. Um, and uh, it, I don't know, man, it's just super hokey and corny, but like, there's just like this like groove and this vibe that if you like let yourself get into that space and try to like stay there as much as you can like the stuff just like comes at you just gloms onto you like well, all I these opportunities and people and things i don't shrug that off i believe that you know when you put something into the universe and it's pure it's not necessarily like a, a it's, it's a pure thought or pure energy it comes to you you know what i'm saying be yeah. it be it good or bad like i feel like you know like uh you you more or less get what you deserve in a way sure you know yeah. it, like and if it's not about it's not about what you want it's about what you need you know what I'm saying? So like if your if your mind is telling you you need something, it'll come to you. Be it five thousand dollars or your car being totaled and you don't have that car anymore that you hated but you right. just had it. You know, it's like like you gotta kinda look at life as it's a balance. It's it's good and bad. So nothing is all one thing. Yeah, and I've also learned that, you know, people do what works for them. Right. And what works for them maybe very negative behavior but for whatever reason it's working for them because it's reinforcing something about themselves how they feel about themselves the space that they want to really be in like you know no that makes total sense i've done a lot of shit that's worked for me at that time that no longer works for me anymore so you do what works until it doesn't work anymore and then you do something else it's just you have to make a decision at some point to do something else. It's almost like being an addict, you know, in yeah. some way. And, and again, for the good or the bad, it's like, are you gonna are you gonna make that chance to like or to make that choice to change your life, and um and and, and flip the switch on some behaviors that you know w- were working for a while because they fit your belief system about who you were, but you, you know you've changed now, and so that means that behavior needs to change also. Yeah. One thing you didn't have on your list that I think is for me anyway uh important is a mentor um i don't like that's one thing that i feel like is missing from my repertoire right now and i've been i've been kind of trying to figure out how to find one um because you know but but i feel like 
you have to have a mentor at some point in your life. Like, you know, even if it's early on in your career to help you get to where you want to be or like later in your career to help you like transition, mentoring is important. And it it, it may even come in the form of mentoring somebody else. You learn a lot about yourself. Did you have a a mentor early on or do you have one now or how's? Um, Yeah. I mean, I think Ebro has always been my mentor. Um, No doubt about it. I, I don't I think the reason why maybe I didn't say that is. I think that says something about me that I didn't yeah. say that. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, definitely. Um, well, uh, it's just it's just something I've been like. The reason I brought it up is it's something I've been kind of wrestling with for at least a year at this point because you also want to be really, in my opinion, be really selective about who you choose to let direct you or who you choose to sure. give you guidance. So, and you also have to be clear about what your end game is before you elect somebody to, to like guide you to that. So, if yes. I don't know specifically what what my end game is or what I want to do, it's harder for me to be like, hey, man, mentor. I me mean, I just I don't know what I want to do though let's just hang out and you tell me cool shit about life I think mentors change a lot I think one of the reasons why maybe that didn't even come to my mind um, was because I feel like I mentor a lot of people yeah. like and guide a lot of people and and sometimes I don't even give myself a permit the permission to have like to seek that energy from somebody else because I feel like I'm giving it out right. all the time I do consulting and I sp- speak with artists all the time and I'm always trying to help people with careers and so yeah I think um, you know, having a mentor is important. Absolutely. Ebro, definitely a mentor of mine, probably the biggest mentor, mentor in my life. He definitely saved me from a lot of shit. I was, I could have become something totally different if it was not for him Yeah. Um, intervening into my life. Um, but then there also comes this point where, you know, I had to make a decision too. like, and I went off and had my own career. We, he and I didn't even live in the same city for a decade or whatever. But, you know, like, at what point do you stop living in their shadow or underneath their thumb also, you know, right. as a matter of loyalty or as a matter of just, like, we work together, we're such a great pair. Um, but I'm always going to be in this subordinate role, naturally, because I'm the mentee, as I should. Yeah. But then I need to be able to assert myself in different spaces and not have the security of, you know, dad, you know, yeah, basically. Definitely. And he's not that much older than me, but I see him as that like father figure I didn't have or that brother that I didn't have. And at some point you do have to like cut the umbilical cord and just go and, off on your own. And I think there's a piece of that that exists in this story. And know? I'm sure that makes him proud, too. I'm, I'm sure that it, it's rewarding for when I had the last mentor I had was in uh, when I was in Cincinnati in college for photography. Um, there was a, a guy who shot for the newspaper and I was just like, I want him to mentor me. And I like tracked him down, like met him and hung out with him. He was like, cool. So he would take me on shoots and stuff. And I eventually broke off and started doing my own. Like I would shoot stuff and I would come showing my work. And he's just like, man. I'm really proud of you know what I'm saying like just yeah. seeing just seeing me go get from under his wing sure and like I would still help him out because I was it was still a lot to learn but I would I would always take what I learned and like go do something else and it was really reward I guess for him it was pretty rewarding to know that I was you know not just not just content with being beneath him you know yeah being a mentee yeah and and I think you know I mean honestly I'm not really sure how he feels I'm sure he's proud or you know and I'm sure he's proud of a lot of things that I've done, but you know, Ebro's kind of like the football coach mentality. Where he's not, <laughs> yeah, yeah. he's not big on giving compliments and praise. And you know, at the times that I've gotten them, like I, you know, it really meant a lot yeah. and more than somebody who's constantly complimenting you and praising you. So, you know, I really think I have some work to do to impress him at this next level. Cause right now he's probably like, yo, I'm worried about you. My G like, what are you doing out here in these streets selling eBooks for $4? God damn it. You're the godmother of my child. Like, you know, <laughs> to get it together you can't be living like this speaking of ebooks i, I meant to uh 
send email you to get one. But um, can we talk a little, a little bit about that? Like, what exactly is um, the ebook series about? So I don't even know if it's really an ebook, and it's really not incredibly formal. And really, the only reason why I'm 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 selling them on my site right now is because my boyfriend was like, you know, these stories are really good and they have value, and you should not just be like putting it out there for free. Like, you should you should give you know you should have people who are really interested in you and your story, and they'll pay four dollars. I mean, you spend a lot of time putting these pieces together. Um, and to be quite honest, I, it was really an uncomfortable thing for me to think of selling my story like I'm for sale kind of thing. But I'm a writer. Like right. writers sell their work all the time. And I need to give myself the permission to see myself as having that value too. my story, my words, these things about my life mean something. And I'm allowed to make a living off of yeah. that. You yeah. know, <laughs> um, so I yeah. So I put out the first 10. Actually, the first 10 were on Tumblr. I took them all off. A lot of people, you know, uh, did engage with them and, and, and liked them. Um, and so, you know, I've I've been selling them since. And then I just released actually today 11 through 20. So basically, there's short uh, installments, um, bunches of 10 about essentially my life story, uh, which a lot of people would have no idea <laughs> what kind of crazy shit yeah. I, I come from. They would look at me and assume one thing, but it's not that at all. I feel like I, I follow you on Tumblr, so I feel like I've seen a couple of them, mm -hmm. and I can honestly say that like some of the stories are just like really compelling stuff that 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 should be sold. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I don't think that you're Thank in the you. wrong at all for selling your story because your story is one. I think everybody has an interesting story, just people don't know how to frame their narrative. Right. But I think that you, with your with your uh, skills as a writer, you do an excellent job, and like it, there's no reason why it shouldn't be published or bought. Thank like, you. and I feel like, uh, do you think you'll package them later down the line and sell it as like a, a book or a, like a compilation? Like, you know, um, you know, I think it's very possible. I mean, I want to write a book, uh, at some point and I do believe that that will happen in my lifetime at the right time. And for now, maybe I think I'm just getting my feet wet and what that, I, what that looks like. I've always written and put things out and written, put, put things out. And I, I used to do think pieces before they were think pieces before <laughs> everything had a million think pieces attached to it. Right. I used to do a lot of those and now I can't even bring myself to do it. I think the last one that I wrote was, uh, after, uh, the Mr. C debacle, the most recent one. Um, and I was just so like hurt over a lot of what I saw, um, and I had to say something and, yeah. you know, and honestly he read it and, you know, we, we, C and I have a kind of, um, you know, not a super personable relationship, but when I left hot 97, he was like, yo dude, I, you really had my back at like some, one of my worst times in my life. And I'll never forget that. And, you know, like that's the power of words, yeah. man, you know, and it mean they mean something and they have value. So, you know, I think if you don't tell your story, um, somebody else will. And if you don't stick up for somebody, then nobody will stick up for you. Like, it's just, you know. Which is why I'm really hurt you didn't stick, like, tell the dude with the dog that you cared about. Well, him. I probably should have just written him a blog and <laughs> sent him a link. He would have checked it on his... his... <laughs> Oh, I'm such an asshole. <laughs> God. You're, fi you're fine. I'm going to see, sure. see him again. I'll see him again. You'll see him again. You'll see him again. You'll see him. And you can gift him a puppy. That's right. Gift him a little puppy. I know. I really thought about that. I was like, but you know, ugh. <laughs> Did you have Hard. to bring up old shit? <laughs> <laughs> but so, including selling the book, you're also known for the hustle, the hustle bow tie. Yeah. And also the busy shirts, which uh, I just found out about those recently. Those are pretty dope shirts. Thanks. But, um. Let's talk. You, you touched on it a little bit in the last segment about how the, the tie represents 
the behind the scenes people and the people who are hustling. Sure. What does the busy shirt represent? I think, like, in my mind, it's, uh, you know, you're just working all the time. Yeah, I mean, it's like a digital clock, right. you know, and it spells out B-U-S-Y and sort of the digital clock box letters. So, yeah, I mean, you know, you could interpret it however you want to. Generally speaking, what time is it? It's basically I'm busy. Like, it's I'm busy time. I'm yeah. doing something. I'm The clock always is ticking and there's always something to do um and you know and that's very much how i've i've lived my life and then you know on the on the opposite end of that spectrum is learning to you know give yourself again the permission to like relax and chill out too so you know i think that 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 piece is definitely um representative of my type a workaholic um personality (laughs) (laughs) so are you you're the type of person you're probably like me like literally from waking to sleeping you just it's work going yeah yeah yeah. and even when it's not work it's work adjacent it's like something that you know it's something that's going to churn an idea or it's something that's kind of like i don't like the word networking but it's something that you know like you're supporting somebody else's thing or or something yeah absolutely i mean even like being on twitter and interacting and things like that's all a part of who I am and who I am is my brand and my brand is who I am. And like, I can't separate these things anymore. Right. Do you know what I'm saying? And I, like as a musician, it's funny. It just struck me about uh, recently that everything is content. Like, like, like my yeah. tweet is, my tweet is the same as a song, which is yeah. hard to, which is hard to, you know, settle in your mind. If you like make a beat and you write a rhyme and it might take you a week and a half to like do this thing. And then, you can get more love on a 140 character tweet than you can on like a one minute and 40 second song. But at the end of the day, it's all your voice and it's all coming from your brand and it all represents who you are and yep. what you want to put forth. So, I mean, just that, that what time is it? It's, it's, it's work. I'm busy. Like yeah. that in a sense, it, I think it means a lot to people who are just working creators who like work constantly, you know, who want to like let their voice be heard. Yeah. And I, I you know, not everybody is like that. I, I dated somebody who was the opposite of that and to be honest it just didn't really work out (laughs) so you know the person that i'm with now is is much more similar to me i mean opposites attract but i think that it's 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 the sameness of qualities and people that actually keep them together you know like mutual goals and you know mutual values and like yeah that kind of stuff so i really feel like i found my space as far as my relationship is concerned it now matches like the environment that you know i like for my my work and sometimes we have to like separate ourselves from and be like okay this is date day there's no talk about work and we're not going to do this and we're not going to do that and because uh, he and I work together you know very closely on a lot of the projects that I do um, and uh, so so yeah you know there, it's just all in kind of like finding yourself and your voice and things that kind of jive with what it is that you're trying to do and the person you're trying to be and I think that that, that it happens in good time you know yeah I can it gets jumbled up like my last relationship we, it was definitely one of those working relationships. Like, it was one of those things where, like, we just worked on each other's thing a lot, you know? And, like, I don't think that I could be in a relationship that... I'm in a space where I'm just working, and I'm I'm, I'm really just trying to push myself and do creative things. And if there was somebody to... If there was somebody distracting me from my goals, like, you know, not, not saying that love or, like, a relationship is a distraction, it, but it is, you know? It's either a healthy one or an unhealthy one. But right. it, it has to be something that fits into, you know the nonstop work schedule. Yeah, and I think that that's why I, I'm paired, you know, 
very well equally yoked, as they say, with my partner now because we both have that same drive. It's just go, go, go all the time and we're brainstorming and he's got his stuff and I've got my stuff. And the cool thing is like, you know, um, being with somebody when you when you do what you do and you are who you are, that's OK with you doing what you do and being who you are and not yeah. and not intimidated by it or like, why did you post that selfie? Are you trying to do, you know, like I, I, I it's, yeah. it's hard to find that that kind of a person when you're a creative, when you're an extrovert, when you're a public figure of any sort, um, who's not going to be um, intimidated or insecure. Uh, and I feel like a lot of people that I've been in relationships with were that, and it just literally tore me from the inside out every single time. And it happened a lot of times in a row. <laughs> <laughs> so now I'm finally like, yes, this is what I've been waiting for. And it took me 36 years to find it. <laughs> it takes time. It takes time. Yep. And but, now all my eggs are dried up and I can't even have any kids. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I might be able to, but I'm running out of time. You, you'll, you'll hustle a kid up. I'm, yeah, I'm, you but know. But on boom chain. <laughs> but so, uh, I also saw you did like soap. Yeah. A soap collaboration, which is really fucking cool. Was it like the Fight Club kind of soap production line thing? No. So you steal the, 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 the fat from the surgery thing? Uh, no. And the funny thing you mentioned that is that I just watched Fight Club for the first time like two nights ago. For I've the never, first time? I've never seen it. Okay, so wait. Crazy, right? But I've read like a few of Chuck's books, but yeah, I Chuck never read Fight Club. And then I'd never seen the movie and people would talk about the movie. And I'd be like, don't tell me I'm going to see it. And I, I did that for like however many years, basically since that movie came out. What did you think about the movie? Um, I thought it was really, well, I took it as for me, it was really representative of the dueling sides of all of us like just battling each other all the time yeah like and i could relate to both sides of that you know like the the corporate life and then the fuck all of this like tip over the desk like these two extremes um but uh, you know i i still feel like i'm kind of processing it to be honest i yeah. did not expect the turn that it took at all yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and then you know and and then the and here's even the weirder thing is that I forgot that Chuck wrote the book and that the movie, I mean, I knew the movie was based on a book, but I forgot it was his book. And then when they were like dragging the fat over the chain link fence and there was this fat going everywhere, yeah. I was like, dude, this is Chuck. And I was like, it is Chuck. And then, like, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, a little bit slow on the uptake, but um, shit was nuts, man. It was really bizarre. And I, I don't, I don't even know how to take it. Like, I, it's, it's so layered. Like it's one of those movies that I watch at least once every six months. Like yeah, I, I think love I need to watch the movie. It again. Huh? I need to watch it again. It's just it's it's literally I'll just watch it. It'll be on the background, or I might watch it and pay attention to it. But I have to it, I have to see it at least once every six months. I have so many questions. It, like, was he always like that? Did he always have this sort of like disassociative split personality type thing? Like, did this happen when he was a kid, or did like the corporate world send him into? They this didn't part, like, answer, but no. I feel like. I feel like the corporate world triggered it. Was what? Yes. Yeah, I feel like there was a a point where you know you remember the part where he was in, in the on the uh, in the office with his boss. Yeah. And he beat himself up. Yeah. Like, I think that was the moment where I was just like he went he snapped. Yeah. You know he snapped before that, but I think that was the moment where he was like fuck it, I'm going all out right now. Yeah. But yeah, I definitely. I, it's just one of those movies you should, you should watch again. Yeah, the corporate world will destroy you, and then you also destroy your world. You can destroy your own world regardless of whether or not there's somebody to help you. Self-saboteur. So it's like the same thing. It's like just destruction in general, and like how do you find your balance yeah. in between all of those ways to destroy yourself, either as a fucking corporate drone or as a 
you know, lazy, uh, I don't know, like free spirit to the point where like you're just a leech. Like I don't. <laughs> there's a lot of ways to fuck your shit up, and that movie showed both sides. I feel like. Yeah, it did. It's a good movie. Did you see Choke? Uh, I did not see Choke, but I read Choke. The book is the book is better than the movie. I don't really read a lot of books, but that book is better than the movie. Yeah, that was a great, a great book, and I also read Survivor. That was the one about the airplane. Yes, yes. I remember the cover. I don't think I. This it was like a silver cover with Survivor on down the. Well, I don't know. There's probably different editions. Yeah. But this, the worst part is that I would have to pick that book up and go like thumb through it to remember all of what it was about because I feel like um, my short term memory has begun to suffer as a result of um, mental fatigue from all of the details that I was always managing for so long. And even now, like the Twitter and the Instagram and all these things, like I'm not remembering shit like I used to. Yep, it happens. But let's see if you remember this. Tell me about the soap. Do you remember the details oh, about the soap? The soap. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so the soap. Back to my the bad. Soap. My bad about the tangent. But I was well, so fascinated by the fact you had just seen the movie. But okay. The but soap. we digress. So the soap is basically a collaboration. So okay. Long story short, I met this woman um, when I moved to New York. The reason that I met this woman, and the reason, and the way that I met this woman was, uh, I used to uh, have two dogs before I moved here. And when I moved here, I didn't have a place to live, and it was also New York, and I didn't know if the living arrangements were going to be good for these dogs. So I sent these dogs to my mother. My mother then was like, you know, you're going to have to take these dogs back. This is a six month thing. She ended up falling in love with the dogs. She kept the dogs. But I had had these dogs for 10 years and I was used to coming home to having these animals like greet me and love me. And I didn't have that anymore. So I was really depressed. So I went on Craigslist and I said, hey, I want to play with your dogs. (laughs) (laughs) Here are two pictures of my dogs, Matilda and Yes. And this woman, the Yo, only woman. you are so fucking weird. Yeah, I love it. You're, I have a problem. Keep going. This is amazing. So she messages me and she's like, you can come play with my dog. His name's Jacob. And here's a picture. And we started emailing each other. And throughout the conversation, <laughs> we find out we both have white pit bulls. We find out we both have the same birthday, June 22nd. We're that's, born on the same day. That's weird. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and so I go and I hang out with her dog and we just had this relationship. She does PR and social media. She just started her own company. I started my own company. We had no discussions about starting our own companies. She's making soaps. I was like, hey, let's collab. You're in Fight Club. This is literally Fight Club. It's really bizarre. Holy shit. I know. <laughs> so then. <laughs> you met Tyler Durden. <laughs> That's right. Um, so then we blew up a building downtown. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> so... Um, but you did make soap, which is we did very make fight soap. clubbish. And so her her soap line is called Come Clean Soap. It's pop culture soaps. They're really adorable. They're for dogs. They're for humans. Um, and they have little charms in them. They're just awesome. Yeah, I saw them on Instagram. They're pretty. And cool. she got some love from Martha Stewart, and she's like nominated for some prize on Martha Stewart's website. Um, anyway, so throughout the soap process, you know, I learned about how she makes soaps and the best ways to put hustle bow ties into soaps because <laughs> we failed a few times. Um, and I also found out. That that her husband is uh, was born a day away from my current boyfriend, and you know she and I have the same birthday. Like it's just one yeah, of those things. It's just like you know, yeah. it just comes together, yeah. and that's why we have soaps. Otherwise, I would never put Essel bow ties in soaps. Who would do that? <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm. Like, but life has this way of giving you what you need. Like you know, what I'm saying like when you were like, I just want, I want to hug a puppy. You didn't think hugging the puppy would make soap. Yeah, it, but and you didn't probably think you needed to make soap, but it, no. it just. 
life gives you what you need. But I put myself out there yeah. and did some weird shit. But the truth was, I really just wanted to like pet somebody's dog, and I felt weird because I was stopping everybody on the street. Can I pet your dog? Like I have these dogs, and I, I kept <laughs> when I first moved here, I was like so lonely and didn't know anybody, and was just like New York man talking to New people York. on the street about their dogs and like telling them my sob story about how my dogs with my mom. Like it was just becoming out of control. I was like, I need to get my hands on a dog, um, and not have to tell this story. And so yeah, it, Jacob, and he's so damn cute. He's the cutest white pit bull ever in life. He looks like a little spot belly pit like a little spotted pig. Well I'm I'm glad that you found the dog to hug. <laughs> That's right. I just said now New York I is, take the uh, hug. I say that New York is one of those cities where you have to be a little bit mis enjoy misery a little bit to live here. Yeah. Like, you, you have to enjoy do. it a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. They, those you know the bitter and the sweet. So that's a soap story. Um, that's one of the coolest fucking stories I've heard. It's pretty damn good, if I do yeah. say so myself. It's a good story. I just, but I, but I think the only way that you're you have those kind of stories in your life is if you like just do things that are weird. And the, the another thing that I'll say about her that's that's is, your time in Portland just coming out. It which, which the weirdness is your time oh, in yeah, Portland. Yeah. yeah. And I was born in Eugene. I was born around hippies and oh, like, yeah. liberals and crazy yeah. people. But um, well, I was gonna say something. Oh. The reason why I feel like she answered my ad is because she's from Canada. She's not American. No Americans would yeah, answer that some... ad. They'd be like, this fucking crazy lunatic <laughs> That is some bitch. Canadian shit. <laughs> Trying to hug my dog. This is weird. But she's from Canada. She's like, yeah. And then she told me, like, I'm from Canada. Like, nobody else probably answered you, huh? Americans are mean. <laughs> well, she sounds super cool. She she's sounds... awesome. Her name's Yvonne. Hi, Yvonne. Come clean soap. Check her stuff out. She's amazing. So the soap is available online, right? It's, it's yeah, it, my, the soap's available on my soap, the Hustle Bowtie soap, is available on, on CarlyHustle.com. Okay. Yeah. So and, and all of my stuff is on there, too. Well, are the soaps available at your parties? I know that you put together things. Like, you put together the... This is my weird segue. That was a segue. Yeah. <laughs> but the so soaps I, will not be a... at the parties, at the party. So you can't buy soap at the at the come at the Groove Candy party. Let's talk about the Groove Candy party. Yeah, so Groove Candy is a party I'm throwing. Uh, it'll be a monthly, hopefully, if this one goes off. Um, and I don't know when is this going to come out. This podcast. This will be two weeks. Okay, so yeah, the party will have already happened by yeah. then. But, but another one will be happening. But there will be another one happening in in uh, December. Uh, 11th to be exact so we're definitely doing at least two to make sure that you know we're not going to give up um but it's it's a, a party that i threw in arizona and it's a brand that still exists in phoenix uh, i put together with a, a dj m2 out in phoenix and he and i had this vision for a party that really just wasn't happening in the city at the time and it be lo and behold became this huge night on a wednesday night where it was lines outside and you couldn't get oh, in wow. neo soul classic hip-hop funk reggae like dope music good vibes candy on the table like dope you know um, logo loops and photo loops and just like the incense and like it's just a good feeling type party right yeah. um so yeah and, and i'm not saying that that doesn't exist here in new york but i just wanted to to do a party like that out here and i have a promoter um who wanted to to finance this and give it a shot and so we're working together now and the party is happening so i'm really excited it's it's at sobs and i have some dope djs lined up big ben is kind of the um, anchor of the night and you know he's he's on hot 97 um but his lane is very much this like neo soul classic hip-hop funk reggae like he just loves that sound yeah um and so yeah i'm excited about it it's gonna be really fun it looks like it'll be a good time it's an after work vibes party 
So, so kind of like vibe. happy hour to late to yeah, late to night like vibes. you know yeah. like midnight one o'clock like not super late you know. And I think SOBs would be good for that. Like yeah. that space in general. It's a good area yeah. for it. So you know the sweet spot is probably like people in their early thirties I would imagine, but I think I see people from twenty five to forty five probably going to this party. I would be late thirties, but I would enjoy it. It yeah. looks like a good time. I mean, I'm in late thirties too. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, it's it's not for old people, but it's for grown folks that maybe like just don't want. There's not going to be schmutty dancing. Like, it's that's, not grown and sexy. Yeah, no. It's just <laughs> like it's grown and you can wear your chucks and yeah. like you know come have like some draft beers. Grown and, and funky. You know, like dance and have fun and and just like talk to people and build community and that's really what the party was about in Phoenix was about building community, and it that's how it started. And I think who's next for me was about building community. And I really feel like I was getting to that space where like I would see a lot of familiar faces. People would come every month and like yeah, no yeah. matter who it was, they would be there and network and talk to people. And I really just like to be um, a part of building community and bringing people together. Do you think you'll start up another um, artist showcase kind of thing? Or do you think who's next will live its own life? And that's what it was. Yeah, uh, I don't know. You know, I, I was thinking about working with somebody on, on a showcase. It just hasn't come together yet. Um, I don't know. I, th- I think it's a possibility. It'll happen at the right time, probably. Right now, a lot of my um, artist uh, relationships now are, you know, I'm doing consulting by the hour. So, you know, basically artists hire me to, like, go over all of their stuff. And then I basically just talk to them for an hour and give them recommendations and, like, answer questions and send them off with, like, some macro ideas um, and some finer details about how they can execute different things to be more successful based off of what they already have. Oh, wow. Um, so I'm doing that now. And, and I have, you know, seven or eight clients now. And it's um, pretty cool. So I'm doing that. And I, I think that that's really um as much energy as I have to give right yeah, now. Yeah, sound like you've stretched yourself kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> That's a lot. It's a lot of work, you know? I mean, it's an hour of consulting, but the amount of work that I do prior to the session and as a follow-up, because I send people, like, my recommendations on paper afterwards, like, it's yeah. it's it's exhausting. I made the mistake of scheduling three in one day the other day, and I have still haven't recovered. It, it sounds exhausting, but I, I it, it says something to the level of quality that they're getting. You know what I'm saying? Like, you have to you live by that brand. Yeah. I want to, if somebody's going to spend, you know, $100 an hour to talk to me, I want to make sure that they feel like they got $100 worth of, of information. Because I've definitely spent money on people, and I'm like, what, is, what, what did I spend my money on? And I'm still a resource afterwards. You know, I'm now, now it's kind of like I'm building this, like, flock of children. Like, you know, they're just yeah. like, you know, I'm 37, <laughs> they're like 20, 21. You're like, you're like a young, windy day. And they're like, hey, so, like, what about this? And, you know, I, I it's just like, it's becoming this dialogue, and we're following each other on Twitter, and I taught one of them how to use Hootsuite and, like, program their tweets, and um, now he's, like, giving me shout-outs for Hustle and Bowtie. It's just adorable. Like, I just... But that's the like that's the most important part is community. Like you building your own community, and like the right. community itself, it, it becomes a family. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. it, it's 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 more than just oh uh, she helped me out with my my album artwork and get my album out there. It's like she she helped me. You know, like and you get something from the exchange too. Absolutely. And yeah. you know, I'm just I also have to make a living, and I've I've given away so much free game for my whole career because I did have checks coming in every two weeks. That now it's like I can't afford to do that. But yeah. if you want to like partner with me, I will make it worth your hundred dollars or make it worth however much money we decide upon for me to to assist you. And you know, um, it 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 is about building community relationships. And you know, my core family like my real biological family was always just very disjointed and just messy right and so i've always had this like 
um, ex- external family, you know, that I've created. And it's very large and it's across lots of states and cities now that I've lived in, which is great. Building a foster family full of genuine com- connections. Absolutely. You have to. It's yeah. really cool. It's important. Um, and I think that'll cover the independent part. Going independent, as I like to call it. Yeah. Your hustle. So is all of this under the, the, the K-Hustle brand? As what's, is, is under that umbrella. Yeah. yeah, the K-Hustle brand, it's an LLC. It's a, you know, it's a, it's me, it's my writing, it's my consulting, it's my merchandise pieces, it's everything, which is great for taxes because there's any which number of ways I can write things off because oh, I God. do all of these different <laughs> things now. I've, so. I've been trying to figure out how to organize my things under under one umbrella just for taxes, tax purposes in general. It's do you have an LLC? I don't. Okay. Yeah, get that done. I can help you with that if you want me to refer you to somebody uh, that will set it up for you. And then they can also do the taxes around it, too. Um, but yeah, it's definitely a learning process. But yeah. as far as taxes is concerned, in my opinion, I just, I don't look, there's there's one person that I don't want no problems with, and that's the IRS. Like, oh. you stay the entire fuck away from me. My friend just, the IRS, when they get in your pocket, I'm they're good, in man. There. I don't want any problems. They live in so your lap when they're. <laughs> when I said Excel spreadsheets, I have all of my receipts, I have everything on an Excel spreadsheet, even my hand to hand sales. Like, I'm not even doing anything <laughs> under the table. Yo, it's so hard for me to keep track of that. Like, like the money, like, I don't like to write down my expenses. I try to keep everything digital, but it's, it's important to just sit down and write your stuff out. Man, they don't tell you when. I guess the last thing we talk about being independent is you are HR, you are payroll, you are shipping department, you are everything. There's nobody, there's nobody to send it to, your digital, your social media, you're all of that. Yeah. So uh, you got to figure out the best way to structure all of those departments so that you can stay afloat and also not go to jail <laughs> because you're not <laughs> doing your finances properly. <laughs> so I'm trying to just avoid all of that by being super meticulous at this point until I, you know, make enough to where I can hire somebody out or who knows, maybe I'll get another job at some point if a dope opportunity comes up. I don't know at this point. The world is, uh, is your oyster right now. That's right. I mean, I am being courted by... A very prestigious operation right now. Do you now. think you're okay? Do you think you're okay? Huh? Is, is it, Are you feeling like you're ready to... I don't feel like I'm ready yet, but if this comes through, I mean, it would be very difficult for me to, to not do it. It's not something I went looking for. I was referred and... So who know? Like I just don't know. Yeah, if, that's it doesn't, dope. if it doesn't happen, then I have another. Like I just I, anything can happen right now. It's like choose your own adventure. That's super dope, and it wouldn't have came if you wouldn't have put yourself out there. Uh, no, it would you know not. What I'm saying have. like, and that's the one. Like you seem like a like a risk taker in general. Like yeah. the type of person that just puts yourself in situations where you don't really know the outcome, but you know it'll be whatever. Whatever happens, you'll be safe. If I'm scared of it, then I do it. If I'm scared of it, it's got to happen. Has that has that been a, a quality that of you? Have you always had that quality or did you develop it? No, I've always had that quality. The first time that I really uh, took that risk was when I was 18, maybe close. To, yeah, I was 18, close to 19. I literally just I packed up my car um, and I lived in Eugene with my mother. And I just drove to Portland and I moved in with this guy who I didn't know was wanting to be a pimp, but he was wanting to be a pimp. And <laughs> that was probably the riskiest thing Holy I've done. Shit. And yeah, it's all in the Who is Carly Hustle writings. <laughs> Carly, it's CarlyHustle.com, right? Uh, yeah. $4. <laughs> four bucks. Um, four bucks. 
These stories are insane. But yeah, I took that risk and, you know, I went from the frying pan into the skillet, but I had to escape where I was at and I had to go through, you know, it's almost like being reborn. Like you got to push through the birth canal and like it was painful and there was a lot of fucked up shit that happened in that time. But I, if I hadn't have done that, I would have never met Ebro who, you know, I would have never like, just, there's all different kinds of decisions you can make and forks in the road and paths you can choose. And it's just like, I really just love the one that's less traveled because it's always makes me feel like I'm alive. Like, I just want to feel like I'm alive. And I, since I quit hot, um, and anytime I've quit a job before and just taken a minute to just breathe, like I feel so in the moment, like I'm so in this present moment, like feeling what it feels like to be like every cell in my body is right here. Right. And I get to make the decision to do that. And it, it's been a long time since I felt like I could feel that. Because always this and this and this is happening. And it's just 24 hours a day. And Beyonce dropped this. And we have to get on that. And like there was, It was just like chasing your tail, being on a hamster wheel all the time. Just being comp- so highly competitive in that space. And it's just like there was not a lot of real happiness after a while in that. You know, it just gets so exhausting. Like you're separated from yourself so much because you just want to achieve, achieve, achieve and keep up and try to outdo somebody else. And that shit, man, is tiring. Yeah, I was going to ask you how did quitting feel, but it sounds like it felt relaxing in a way. Like It, it just was felt... just necessary. Yeah. It was necessary. And, you know, people can say what they want. I'm not cut out for this or that. Like, I absolutely am. I went in there. I fucking slayed. I, 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 I wanted to leave on a high note, you know, yeah. when the things that I was doing were successful and, and not, you know, be forced out the door at some point where either, you know, I became less productive or I became so miserable that like, I no longer was providing value to the company. Like I owe Ebro and Hot 97 and Emma's like so much gratitude for all of the stuff that I learned. Right. But, you know, in my opinion, I feel like if you've been somewhere two, three years, you probably learned what you could learn. And if there's not a place for you to advance from there, you need to push yourself into something else. Like you need to do that. That's the way this world works. I'm not a lifer. There's a generation of people above us that are lifers. They'll be somewhere for 20 years and they'll never leave. I'm just not that (laughs) person. I'm just, that's just not the life that I want to live. And you know, that's that level of security. I'm good. I don't want that. I don't want to own a house. I don't, you know, I don't have the same goals that a lot of people have. Um, because man, you know, like Fight Club, when, you know, you know, he, when he pulls that dude out of that, um, convenience store and he puts a gun to his head and said, what would you be doing if you, if you weren't here right now, what did you really want to do? He said he wanted to be a veterinarian. He was like, yo, I'm, if you have six weeks to become, you know, get into veterinary school and start this dream where I'm going to come back and shoot you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it put so much perspective. It was like, that is so fucking real. Yeah. Like you have to put that gun to your own head. Like one of my, one, one mantra, mantra that I live by is change your life before your life changes you. Hell like, yeah. you know, you have to take a long, hard look at yourself if you're not happy. Or even if you are happy, you have to like do these self like self checkups. Like, where am I at right now? What do yeah. I need? You know what I'm saying? Like, how can I get this? It can't be about sitting around hating your job or sitting around hating your relationship or wishing you had a new car or whatever. It has to be about actually trying to fulfill some sort of goal. Like, if you're not if you're not living a goal based life, you're not really living, in my opinion. Yep. You know? I agree. And if if you're about excuses and willing to make excuses for every reason why you can't do something all the time, and I've been through those phases, and guess what? I stayed exactly where I was, you know, because I made excuses. Well, excuses, they're they're like old friends. Like, they're comfortable. Yeah. They comfort you. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you're just like, oh, well, I can't can't move out of the city because I don't have enough money. I don't have enough money because I don't like my job. And I don't like my job, but I can't quit. I guess it becomes comfortable. It becomes comforting. You just kind of let it be your crutch. 
And I, I can't even have conversations with people like that anymore. Yeah. Like, as soon as we're heading down that road, I'm like, dude, I can't because I can't get back into this space and you're going to drag me into that space. No disrespect, but you're just not at my vibration right now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to and, be at my, my, my vibrational or higher if possible. And what I've noticed is that um, there were... With some people, you f when they pull you into that sort of energy, you feel yourself saying the same things you always say, and you're just like, "Yo, I can't, I can't be around you." It's a disservice to us both. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Until we both have something new to talk about, we shouldn't talk. Yeah, and you know, I got sick the other day, and I was sick for a few days, and I noticed I was like heavy, heavy, heavy on Twitter just because I was laying in bed like so much on Twitter, and there was just I. I I saw, I just felt myself just like becoming so angry and then nervous. And like, I was like, felt anxiety. And I was like, yo, like, I need to walk away from this. Yeah. Shit. Like, yo. I can't be on that all the time either. It's the same thing as talking to a bunch of negative people yep. <laughs> at one time. Yeah. People put their energy on you, like, unknowingly. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, if, if you, if you're hanging out with somebody and they're like really frustrated or something, they just like unload, it just becomes a part of you at that moment. Yes. And like, the whole thing with anxiety and fear is, you know, like, I feel like if you're living in the, if you're living in the past, like, regretting or if you're living in the future being anxious, you're not present. You're just right. kind of, waiting on something to happen that even if it's going to happen it's not happening right now right. so you might as well just look at right now and enjoy it for what it is and in a lot of times i get in my head about stuff yeah, versus you just have to stop and breathe stop breathe like literally look around the room look at your hands mm -hmm. and like yo i'm right here like let me feel this versus worrying about this this gig that just fell through or like like you know like if something's going to happen you know yeah I, i've actually you know, I struggle with some pretty significant anxiety from time to time, and it's not new. Same, yeah. And same. Uh, and it's I'm I think I over, I overanalyze. My brain is always going, and that's why the positive mental reel is so important because my brain's always going. At least I can try to keep it in a positive space. But you know, sometimes I just I even you know just on the subway I'll just like start to like feel this like panic inside me. Yep. And, and it sounds super corny, but I just have learned, like you said, to breathe like deep breathing. And yeah. if I deep breathe for like even a few minutes, I I just start to feel like back normal again. But that like chest getting tight and all, you know, my mom used to tell me that this stuff used to happen to her and she couldn't drink caffeine because she would get so like amped up and I could never understand it. And I clearly have inherited this problem from her, <laughs> but like, just like that worrying and the anxiety. And even if there's nothing even to be particularly panicked about, it's just like exists. And I think we're kind of in that space where it's just, it's like that every day for everybody, and there's always something to be mad about, or outraged, or panicked, or afraid of, and you just have to figure out a way to like, right, like, like temper that with with other things. You right, know? you have to dial it in and like focus on like. This will sound kind of corny, but like love energy and focus on just like yeah. like positivity and like even if it's not something, like somebody saying, "Hey, good job," or "Hey." You look nice there, whatever. Like if it's not somebody that you love and respect giving you a compliment, it has to be. It has to come from within. Right. And like that's the hardest part about that the positive real thing is just figuring out, you know, like like filtering out the the negativity that exists in your mind. Right. Because it's there. You know what I'm saying? Like and, it and is. I, I I'm pretty. I get anxious. I get paranoid. You know what I'm saying? I I get depressed really easily, and I'll I'll stay in my head for like hours yeah. and i have to fight my way out of it but you know it's about it's literally about knowing what voices <laughs> this sounds crazy knowing what voices to listen to in your mind because you know 
you can spiral really easy if you don't pay careful attention to what you're taking in. You know what I'm saying? Like, like everything is food. Like, a conversation feeds you. When you watch TV, when you look at Twitter and it's like yes. a bunch of negative people, it literally molecularly changes you. Like, it, it's yes. food. You know what I'm saying? So... It's all, it all, it all, it all comes in and you have to get it out. You That's know? right. I, I even notice, you know, when I'm being a hater, like people don't want to admit that they're haters, but yeah. everybody has a hater in them, <laughs> yeah. you know, and I'll see something that's, that somebody's doing and I'm like, rah, I'm mad. And then I'm like, wait a minute. Why are you like, what's, what are, why are you mad at that? <laughs> and then you realize like, yo, that's some shit you wish you could do. Or yo, that's some shit you tried and failed at. Or yo, like you. You wish that you could be talented enough to counter that with something of equal greatness. Like, you even have to check that within yourself. Yeah. Like, people don't want to admit that, but that we're human beings. We're naturally going to immediately go to the negative or to the hate because it's just easy. Yeah, and it's, it's not even about jealousy. Sometimes you'll see something like, I could do that. Yeah. No, I could do yeah. it better. Or, yeah, exactly. Or but, arrogance or, you know, yeah. whatever it is. Like, we all have all this shit going on. And it's like, yo, I, I realize, like the power of giving other people compliments and yeah. you know like really just showing gratitude for the stuff that they put out in the world and like that doing that is so much more rewarding than like feeling um intimidated by that like if anything that should inspire me to like be great like well you're being great right now like i want to be great like you, you know? right like it should inspire you to look at what they're doing and let that exist and then look at what you're doing and and honing but not compare because as they yeah. say like compare, <sighs> comparing is a thief of joy and like that, <laughs> that shit is hard to learn man but you know it's, it's just a part of maturity and I, I i'm so glad that i've been able to live this long to be able to experience enough to like even evolve into that space you know yeah. i don't think i'm a nasty evil person but i do think that i've gone through spaces where you know i had a hater energy that was existing or i, I was angry and and mad at the world and resentful and like you know why me? Why was this always happening to me? And why are these bad things always happen to me? But that's like, you know, I was able to channel all of that bad shit into like some really cool, amazing, successful, you know, successful um, moments in my life. And um, I think that's, you know, what it's all about. It's just like sometimes just reframing and rechanneling energy. Like it comes in one way and like you get to send it out a different way. Right. You know? And like, you know, um, me and my friend were talking about this the other day, uh, just the creation process, like. I don't make music when I'm sad or upset or angry. <clears throat> I make it when I'm in a good space and I can process the emotion. So I might write the saddest song of my entire life when I'm in the best mood of my entire life. But it's because I have some sort of perspective on my emotions or on that right. scenario where it's just like I can look at it objectively and not be in my feelings and emotions about whatever I was going through. I think it's best when you're sad or depressed or in, in like that negative headspace to kind of just sit with yourself and just let it ooze out not infect other people or infect other environments with it like sometimes you have to go outside the house or have to go be around people or have to have conversations and like that's when it's best to turn on like a person a different personality or let yourself take that other energy but you know it's hard when you hang out with people that have that like that ominous heavy energy you're like why don't you just keep that shit at home man like like i, I know you <laughs> like i know you knew you were like this when you came out the house why the fuck didn't you stay in the house and i try not to be that person a lot it's 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 a real fucking wear out. Yeah. <laughs> like those kind of people are such wear outs and I do not want to be a wear out. And if you know, if I am forced to go out into a space, I will normally pull somebody aside from that space and be like, Look, dude, I'm having a fucking shitty day. I feel horrible. This is going on with me. I just wanna let you know if I like seem off, like I have I just I'm going through some shit right now. You know, I mean I think being real and transparent as much as you possibly can is the best thing that you can be and yeah. then just keep it pushing, you know, or 
give yourself the permission to not show up to something and be like, look, I can't make it. I just, I'm dealing with some things or, you know, I am not going to show up for this position or, or this, this job or whatever it is. Like, you just have to be able to like I've, stake your space and I've, like know what's healthy for you. I feel like that's almost the theme of the conversation is giving yourself permission. Like yeah. in a lot of ways, you know, this whole conversation from, from letting yourself decide that it was time to find a new, to figure out your own shit career wise, to even just like your emotions or just the way you feel in the, during the day. It's, it's about letting yourself and not so much about just, you know, letting letting anything else decide for you. That's right. And I, and I do feel like when you live in that space and give yourself permission to be great, you're also or different or zany or wacky or whatever it is that you are giving yourself permission to do. You're also giving other people permission to do that, too. Yeah. Like when you when you're inspired by somebody, they're giving you permission to be inspired, you know, like not in a a talking down to sense but it's like an exchange of like i'm living this way i'm giving you permission to do it because you see that i'm doing it like it's possible give yourself the permission to do it right you can do it too um you know and, and instead of you know asking for it like creating those spaces where you can give it to yourself or get it from other people and i feel like in a lot of ways people don't give themselves permission because they feel like they're expected to be a certain thing or a certain way for for no one but but other people. Like that's it's not like you're you're holding yourself back by not letting yourself be who you really want to be. You know, that's that's a whole lot. Yeah, I, I mean, I know I see that in the music industry, you yeah. know, so much. I mean, one of the steps in the How to Quit Your Job series is about defining success for yourself. Like, what does that look like to you? What is success really? And for some people, it's you know the next power move that they make. And I said that on Twitter today, actually. You know, like people are super impressed by power moves because it's expected to be impressed by that but like really a lot of people are not necessarily inspired by that sometimes the road less traveled you know not going from one safe spot to another another safe spot like do, taking a risk is more inspiring than like definitely you know taking the next corporate job you know you know what i'm yeah. saying <laughs> no i know exactly what you're saying <clears throat> so yeah but um we're gonna take another break i'm gonna use the bathroom yeah i need to pee also is well, this tmi be, no no Bathroom breaks for everybody, yourself included. Go out there and use your company's bathroom. Tell them you gotta pee. Um, and when you get back to your desks, log on to CarlyHustle.com. There you can see information about the hustle bow ties. You can see her how to quit your day job, how to quit your job series. You can find out more about her book. You can find out about her Groove Candy events. You can find out about everything because it's the fucking internet. And if you're logged on, no information is being hidden from you. It's all there. Um, so going to go ahead and let you guys get into the last portion of this interview right now. And I'm getting dressed to leave the house like I'm literally... It's 6, 10 p.m. right now. I'm supposed to be there at 7. Thank God I'm the kind of person that rides their bike in the cold. Ugh. All right. But yeah, log on. CarlyHustle.com. I told you guys this was a good interview, right? I told you. But I steer you wrong. It's my fucking podcast. Would I be interviewing somebody that I didn't think was going to fucking feed you? Nourish you? Some good shit. But uh, I really think I need to go to my DJ gig. So I'll be back after this last segment. All right. We're back. And I wanted to get into a little bit of gender discussion with you. Yes, gender discussion. As, as a woman, yes. you know, and as me being a man, you guys, women, go through things that I just cannot even wrap my head around. Yeah. 
how complex they are. Yeah. Uh, so let's start it off by navig- talking about navigating the world of just industry in general. You know, like how has this is a really broad question, but how has being a woman shaped your experience? Like just you know, in, in corporate environments and in, in in the freelance world, like has it um not has it made things? I'm rambling. Just say something. <laughs> so yeah, being a woman in the music industry in the entertainment industry, um, you know, I can't speak for all women, and so therefore I can only speak from my own experience. I think one main thing that I've struggled with being a woman in the music industry is. Um, playing small yeah a friend of mine was just talking about this. yeah to not intimidate people um you know uh not seeing my work as um as important as maybe my male counterparts yeah even though i know that it is um i've also struggled with being able to you know pull things off that a lot of male uh peers could not have done but then not getting the title or the credit for for those things um you know i mean i just i really think that you know sexism in the workplace absolutely exists i think that i've been through some things in my career and not only sexism but um you know like homophobia and like all different kinds of shit you know uh that you know people look at me and they're like oh you know she's a lesbian you know like they make these assumptions about you know what what i who i am and like you know what i must be doing and um oftentimes very inaccurate for the moment (laughs) and um so yeah i've definitely had my struggles um but you know i think that no matter what, we just need more diversity in general um, in corporate America at higher levels. Right. And I think more and more, I think corporations are starting to see that we need women, we need black people, you know, we need gay people, like <laughs> yeah. we need trans people, we need everybody sitting at the table. Um, or else we're making these huge mistakes that could cost our company however many millions of dollars in lawsuits or lost sales or whatever. So, you know, and. It's not to say that corporate America shouldn't take some kind of risks and be edgy and, you know, with their advertising and things like that. But, like, sometimes you'll see stuff and you'll be like, do you not have one single black person working for you? Because I can tell you right now right, that so- somebody would flag <laughs> that shit. Sometimes you'll see, like, brands tweet or, like, you'll even see, like, writing on a television show and you're like, yeah, there's no black people on their entire team. Yeah, it's nobody really black. clear that not a single woman was writing about this, you know, on this scene with four women talking. Like, this is not how women speak. Like, what is <laughs> yeah. wrong with you? So, yeah, you know, I, I think that the that inclusion is is everything and more and more we're getting in, in the right direction. But, you know, you don't really see it that much in the entertainment business. Most of the high level positions are not women. Um, mm. And therefore, you know, we've been talking about giving ourselves permission. Like you don't even give yourself permission to see yourself in those spaces because you don't see yourself in those spaces. Literally don't see yourself in those spaces. And that's crazy because, you know, at least as like a, a male, I can see another man yeah. in a space like as a black man a lot of times i can't see myself like I, i'll see my i'll see some uh, just another man in that position not somebody who has my same experiences but as a woman it, it has to be even further removed like yo and you know i've worked shit. for some women before and had women bosses and they were horrible horrible managers and i think that a lot of times what women do and you know i'm not saying all women are horrible managers but i've had a great one most recently i think you know the gm at hot 97 before she was recently let go i thought she was a great um general manager i liked the way that she ran her ship she didn't micromanage she let people you know, she trusted people to do their jobs you know all that kind of stuff but i've also worked for some women who just go so hard at the like i gotta be like the guys thing that they're just 
just raging yeah. evil, you know, <laughs> um, devil spawns. Like they're, you know, like the dudes, but like way worse because they feel like they have to be hard as nails in order to compete or be taken seriously. And, you know, and it sucks to be put in that space. And I see why, you know, why they are. Yeah, it's one of those things where, that space. one of those things where like in school, sometimes uh, the teacher would be harder on the black students because they want them to be work twice yeah. as hard as their white counterparts versus, you know, like in, in the workplace, it's just the same thing. And yeah. I, I guess for a woman, it would be triple quadruple yeah you know i mean women even you know tend to have rivalries with their own mothers like the mother-daughter thing that goes on and that exists for a lot of women too it's just this indoctrinated like is that what they call the patriarchy uh is that what they call i think it's all about patriarchy and general fear of women and value of men like you know yeah. the overvaluing of men the 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 devaluing of women and like it, it it's just it runs so damn deep like you know I've, i you know homophobia is really just an offshoot of the hatred of women because can, you're basically uh, yeah. you hate gay people because they're like you know particularly men because they're like women. yeah because you know like like I don't, in a weird way, lesbianism is celebrated, but being a gay man is just like, oh God. Well, it's only celebrated well, when the celebrated. two chicks are hot to you. Like, yeah, that's if not, that's they're not, I'm... and it's like one, you know, is a little more masculine or they're both masculine or whatever, then all of a sudden it becomes this like, well, why you want to be a man? Like, you know, yeah, and just a lot of that's, just dumb. That's what, I, that's what I was trying to say. One dimensional shit. Like, you know what? Maybe it's not for you to understand, motherfucker. And maybe that's just yeah. not something that you will ever understand. But to sit back and judge and be worried about what people are doing in their bedrooms or even on the street. Like if it's not your cup of tea, then don't sip it. <laughs> it's that but simple. I feel like people just want to control everything that they like. People just want to control their surroundings, including the people in it. And that's, that's where it gets fucked up. At. Not going to happen. You know, like even with the whole street harassment piece, it's, I feel like on a certain level, it's about, men wanting to control their environment so it's just like i want that woman to smile for me or i want to tell her how i feel about her sexually right now you know like versus just sitting the fuck down and shutting up you know there's a world that you know makes men feel entitled um and gives the world and gives men permission to just walk up and pick and choose as they please and again there's you know the framework and the history behind that is like much longer than we have time to discuss but (laughs) it still really exists you know and and watching the first time i watched that street harassment video the 10 hours in new york yeah, yeah um you know i was like yep that's it that is exactly it no <laughs> no exaggeration Yo. like no inaccuracy and the the interesting thing is that i didn't even notice that there wasn't any white dudes in it like that wasn't even what i focused on it was like this is exactly what happens to me and i also think that it may have to do with, with like the area that i live in so to me it didn't stick out as a, as a red flag and also like and here's where we start to get into like this weird space like is it wrong to say this or that but like white dudes don't they don't they don't catcall me and, not to say they don't catcall but that i'm not i've just never been their type and i've heard that from what i've heard white dudes do it from a, a distance or they like or they do it from like a space where you know it's, it's i don't know how to explain what i'm saying they don't do it to me they i'm just not their one i just am not i can't ever remember the last time a white dude cat called me Again, they do it. If I probably put on some like platform shoes and a blonde wig or something, maybe I would then be what they're interested in. But this is this the way I look is not the way a lot of white men, at least from a street harassment perspective, they're just not filling me. So when I watched the video, I was like, yeah, that's my reality. You know, yeah, it's mostly black and Spanish dudes that are trying to holler, mostly black dudes, especially in the area that I live in. 
all day long. Yeah. Um, but again, I didn't register that it was like, you know, edited in a, in a, a racist fashion or whatever, because that, that was just basically my my reality. Um, well, now that people were saying the editing piece was about protecting the white woman or something weird. I, I don't know how I don't know sure. how it was being argued or defended, but I just know that. When I f- saw the video, the f- upon seeing it for the first time, I'm just like, "Yo, that is fucking terrifying and horrible." All day and the long. fact that the fact that you know, a barrage of comments and commentary on your appearance or just on on things that that literally you you just existing in a space and people just have the need to just say some shit to you about it. It I couldn't imagine taking that with me, like I walking outside the house and knowing I have like. Like, I put on my shirt today and my jeans. I couldn't imagine putting on my jeans and being like, damn, people are going to talk about my ass all day. That's exactly what happens. Like, I like, could not imagine that shit. You know what? You, if you wear a certain pair of pants or a certain shirt or a certain outfit, you're going to get it. So you better turn your podcast on or your music on extra high. Have you, no matter what, whether I'm listening to something or not, I have my headphones on just so I can pretend that I'm not hearing it. Yeah. I've been grabbed on the street before. If Which I is fucking stop, terrifying. You know, um... And and so again, it's just there's just no exaggeration. I think the point about you know the woman that they chose and and the fact that you know most of the men or all of the men ra- rather except for maybe one were of color, you know, um, and how this became this huge viral sensation. I think the issue is that you know black women uh, have been speaking out about street harassment for you know for a long time. I mean, yeah. I don't you know years and years and years, but there's been recent like social uh, media campaigns around that. And, you know, it wasn't until this, you know, white woman, um, you know, being catcalled at by a bunch of men of color comes out that all of a sudden everybody, quote unquote, cares or reacts to the street harassment video. And so the frustration therein lies by by saying, well, well, you know, is it because she's a white woman being hollered at by black dudes or is it because it ended up on Reddit or the right places to go viral? Like, what you know, and then it was if it was a black woman, would anybody care the same way? And. Again, I think that there's a lot of validity in, in all of those arguments. There is. And it's, it's a lot to unpack in general. But I know that Hollaback in general, the organization who put the video together, they're well-intended. Like, they don't necessarily, you know, they didn't necessarily mean to, in my opinion. Right, I don't right. think they meant to, be, to like, to like, um, to, like, belittle anybody's opinion or, like, make somebody feel like they're, like, like exclude anybody from the conversation. I, I don't think they meant to exclude, a, like... Over, right. I'm overpower a black the black women's voice or whatever. Right, and I I I don't know whether or not they did, but I mean I if I I just I, when we're talking about seats at the table, like I don't know who works at Hollaback, I know nothing about them, but like, yeah. are there any black women that work there? Are there any women of color that work there or are a part of the project that saw this and could have been like, yo, we need to flag this because it's really this could be interpreted a different way or what if we did half the video her and half the video a black woman or something because right. it does look like you're showcasing a, a, a white woman or a white presenting woman walking down the street being hollered at and harassed by a bunch of men of color and, and trying to like, you know, it, on one side, it's like you don't want to protect men from themselves <laughs> because it's like, <laughs> yeah. you know, that what was in that video was true to life. Nobody forced people to, to, to say those things. And you get, it's basically like reality TV. Like <laughs> they didn't edit it to make you look crazy. You look crazy yeah. because you gave them fodder to look crazy. It's the same kind of thing. Um, but you know, there is, of course, it lies in a lot of, of, of people socially. They want to make sure that, you know, um, men of color on some level are protected from yet another attack on their humanity and their manhood and their, you know, human, like you see that all the time. So I, I think 
you know, it, if nothing else, it was a, an excellent conversation point. Um, I really revealed the true colors of a lot of people and it got it's gotten pretty, pretty ugly. Yeah, I mean, the conversation has been I'm. The conversation has been uh, interesting, to say the least. And I know that it, it kind of overshadowed the whole Gamergate thing that was going on. Which, yeah, and, and to be honest, is, a lot of people, probably black women and people of color, are totally clueless as to what's happening and, with Gamergate. And Gamergate is, is fucking terrible. Gamergate is like, they're, they're finding... It's like when uh, Anonymous was unleashing the, the information about the police department. It's like, these motherfuckers are like, ready to... Like, making physical threats to people that they can actually carry out on some hacker shit. You know what I'm saying? Which is Spreading people's personal yeah. addresses because they're upset that they're speaking out against sexism in the gaming world. They're, spread, they're going into people's um, personal files and releasing nudes. And, like, there's a lot of, like, sexual violence and threats and things that are happening. And, and again, it's, you know... These these two worlds kind of exist separately, and sometimes they collide. And the instead of Gamergate really taking off, as far as like from what, what I see, yeah, you know, on how who I follow, and how, the only reason I know about Gamergate is because I listen to Fan Rose podcast. Yeah, I know about Gamergate because I do this program where I had to write like a little rap about news headlines. So, but otherwise, <laughs> you know, I mean, the community that I play in is not talking about Gamergate at all. Yeah. You know, but it's a huge fucked up situation. It's, it's it doesn't enormous. mean that, you know, this community doesn't care about what's happening. It's just like they don't know. I feel like the bridge between both, though, is that women seem to be under attack. You know what I'm saying? Like like the the environment, a lot of the environments that women have to exist in, it's toxic for them. Yeah. I mean, we're under attack because we're just asking you to please not attack us you know like and then just asking for you know a a level of humanity that you know you would appreciate as a man um just even that is just not you know respected and i i don't want to be talked to all the way to work and back every single day i just don't want to i want you to leave me alone and if i'm interested in you i will go to a place that's social and that is um uh, a place where I'm intentionally trying to meet people and I'm not going to do it on the street. I think if you don't live in New York City or in a walkable city, this probably makes not very much sense to you. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like it, it's not the same way in, in cities where people are driving around in cars all the time. This is a, a commuter city, walkable city problem where there's no car to protect you and you can't just drive away. You're just literally at the mercy of all of the human beings around you and you know, the entitlement that some of those human beings have to your space and your, 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 yeah, your aura. So what do you think is the best, would be the best way for men who want to be allies to be an ally, you know? Like, cause I know that that's part of the conversation too, is that, uh, some men that I know are, are, are like asking like, well, how can we be better allies? What can we do to, you know, help, help the, um, just help. In yeah, general. I mean, I think just in your personal individual decisions and how, you know, you act in your everyday life is like the most powerful way to be an ally. Like, don't harass people on the street. Yeah. <laughs> and then also when yeah. you see somebody doing it, like, or a friend or whatever, be like, yo, dude, like, that's kind of whack. Or here's why you shouldn't do it or whatever. Um, but there's just so much masculinity and male bravado, like, wrapped up in all of that. And right. <laughs> this fear of, you know, femininity and hatred of, like, women in general. And it's sometimes I... You know, sometimes I feel for men, I feel I feel sorry for men because they have to keep keep these 
standards, like, or else people are going to, like, challenge their manhood or, you know, if they're trying to... It's just so bizarre how deep it goes. <laughs> yeah, it goes super deep. And I think about it a lot because there's so much to unpack with just trying to discuss a simple video. Like, not a simple video, but a video where, like, a woman's walking down the street and men are catcalling her. It's, it's awful and it's bad. But then there's this whole level of unpacking everything that it's comes It's racism, up. it's sexism, it's classism, it's all of it. Like, Every ism. That, yes, it was all there. Yeah. Like, and just for us to, like, be like, hey, this is you, America. This is y'all. <laughs> like it's kind of like the Kara Walker exhibit, you know, right, where right. where she puts this, you know, the sphinx in the space, and then basically is letting people play themselves around it. Do yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, and, how would you react to this? Right. What's your reaction? And and you know? it was just again, it's like America. This is you. This is this is you showing your ass, like yeah. in every single way possible. And I think that that video, in some ways, is a work of art in the fact that. It it it's me. It's making us really have to face a lot of, of of shit that already exists, and you know, it's sometimes it just gets really ugly. And you know, I've always considered myself a feminist, and um, sometimes I just don't even want to be called that because of the the. There's just a lot of like anger and resentment right now, and condescension happening. And like, if you're not, you know, this kind of feminist, then you're gonna get dragged on Twitter if you say something wrong or ask a question. Someone's gonna fire off at you. And yeah. again, there's a, there's racial tensions. There's all of that that's happening. It's what? just all coming out all over the internet, spewing itself. And it's it's man, it's some rough territory. Which is honestly why I was kind of. Rep, I was kind of scared to even approach the topic a little bit because I was thinking like, man, people are like, there's as a man trying to have this conversation with a woman, like it's just Twitter and, and the internet in general will tear you apart. <laughs> like, yeah. I, but I don't want, I don't want to let the fear of somebody hearing the conversation about, Oh, he's wrong. He shouldn't have said this or she shouldn't have said this or blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I just, you know, like, we're I'm human just, beings, man. Maybe we're going to make some mistakes and maybe we're going to say some of the wrong things. And you're in, in, if you're upset about it, like, you know, everybody is, has a right to be outraged and upset about whatever it is that they want to be upset about. I'm not perfect. So I, I go ahead and just rip me to shreds. But yeah. unfortunately we, we are creating a, a fear, a, a climate of fear around people even being able to ask questions or participate in conversations. Right. Because if you, say the wrong thing or if you don't know the right buzzword or if you didn't take enough feminist classes or if you didn't take enough you know um like whatever classes like cultural classes or if you don't know something uh about the black struggle that maybe you should know even if you are black or even if you are a woman and you don't know something about feminism like it's like open season on that (laughs) you know what i'm saying and and that somebody could challenge you and that retweet goes a million times and that's could have been one section of what you were saying yep. taken out of context. And, you know, some people say some dumbass shit and they deserve to, you know, um, get some backlash for it. But at the end of the day, this is America, Jack. And if you want to say some dumbass shit, God damn it, have at it. Say like, it. It's America. <laughs> that's, you know, go <laughs> ahead. Yeah. I appreciate that you keep, keep them where I can see them, pal. Like, I'd rather yeah. know than create the space where people are so scared to do anything and say anything that it all just goes underground. Like, let me know about your sexism. Let's talk about it. Let me know about your racism. Let's discuss that. Like, we might as well get our prejudices out on the table because it's there anyway. Yeah, and I'm like, that's the whole thing is that I feel like these the honest conversations, I'm happy they're happening. 
I'm happy they're happening. Whatever side of the table you sit on, I'm glad that you're outing yourself for being either for or against street harassment. I've seen people arguing, like not necessarily defending it, but lightly being like, hey, well, why can't I do that? And here's the thing is that, you know, a woman, when you're walking to work, if somebody says hi or good morning, beautiful or something, okay, maybe that one time you think that that's harmless to you. But guess how many more times it happens? Yeah. Like if some if, if you walk to work and somebody said good morning, beautiful to you, just that one thing or good morning, handsome to you. 25 <laughs> times, you know, in a five block radius, you're like, no, motherfucker. I'm you know what? I'm not beautiful. I'm ugly because I'm pissed. Shut up talking to me. I don't want to talk to you. I didn't sign up for that. I'm just trying to right. get to work. You know, yeah, your one little action may not seem like a big deal to you. It's a compliment or whatever, but that's compounded by the. Uh, hey, what's up, sexy? Hey, can I get your number? Hey, I'm following you next to the sh- on the street while you're walking at the same pace as you, like trying to speak with you when I'm clearly either on the phone, I have headphones, and like it's so obvious. Like, just respect the fact that I'm not feeling it. Like, it doesn't seem to like it's a social cue. Like, women are, are not what, on display. Do you have like you know, you know uh, reactive attachment disorder or some like autism or, or like Asperger's or something where you don't understand <laughs> funny, social man. cues? It's not funny, but like yeah. those are real illnesses that people like or issues that people have and struggle with. And you, with all your facilities together, are just acting like y- you have some kind of like like there's like you just don't you're unwilling to process it. And it's not because you can't. It's because you willfully won't. It's not because you're suffering from something. It's because you just fucking want to do what you want to do. Yeah. And if people are in large numbers asking you to not some- do something, then don't do it. If black people in large numbers are like, hey, white people, don't use the N-word. Is it going to kill you to not use the N-word? I think it's not. It's probably not. I think, not. I think you're yeah. going to live. So maybe you just don't. And I also don't think sit it's here gonna... and fight why you, why you should be able to say it. Like, shut the fuck up. Yeah. There it is. That's pretty much where my stance on it. Also, like, just don't, just don't. Like, if you if you're asking why can't is it okay to talk to what why isn't it okay to say how to a woman on the street? You probably shouldn't. Just that's your answer. It's not okay. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, just err on the side of safety and just don't do it. Exactly. Because it's not going to kill you, and it's just out of respect for the general greater good and the general populace who seem to be saying, hey, I'm not into it. Maybe there's some women that, that like it. Maybe there's some black people that don't care if you say the N-word, but guess what? The majority of people would rather you not do it, and it's not going to kill you to not do it, so just don't, man. Just don't. That's the new slogan for street just harassment. Just don't, don't do it. Don't do it. Yeah. And white people, just don't use the N-word. Don't, don't use the N-word. <laughs> I mean, when I'm seeing some men, you know, defend the, the right to street harass... You know, it really does look to me like a white person trying to explain why they should be able to use the N-word. It's like the same, like, weird entitlement. Like, no, you shouldn't and you can't. And you know what? You don't even need to know the reason why. But if you want to, I'll explain the whole thing to you. And you still won't understand because you just want to be right and you want to have the entitlement to do what you want because you don't want to be considerate of somebody else. And that, my friend, is privilege. That's the essence of privilege. I I don't see how a person could come out in in, in defense of street harassment at all like you know what i'm saying like it's just fucked up it's just fucked up to say that word like you say yeah it, it it's the same kind of thing it's like you know there's a million ways to argue you know why you think you should do something but like if somebody's just asking you nicely not to do it like didn't you learn that in kindergarten when somebody says stop just stop like i think we've been learning that since we were we we're small you know I, I i just don't understand why people are so hell-bent on having their way like no not yeah. this time. <laughs> you can go to the supermarket and pick out any number of 
spaghetti sauces. There's 50 to choose from, and you get to choose whichever one you want, and you can exercise your agency there, but you're not going to do it on the street with me. You're not going to do it by using, you know, words that you shouldn't be using if people ask. Like, it's just, you know, there's lots of places to have choices and exercise your right to choose and say what you want to say and do what you want to do, but... Women's bodies are not that place. No! That's right. Leave us alone, man. Trust me, we'll let you know if we're interested. It's... We'll make it pretty clear. So, with that said, men, just don't do it. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's our time. I want to get you out of here because it's after nine, and I think that... Oh, wow. Okay. I think that the homie steel tip dove has to go to. Yeah. I Um, mean, I probably have a ride waiting for me outside, so... Yeah, I do. But yeah, you know what? This was this was a great conversation. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Like I really thought that I, it, it was everything I thought it would be. Yeah, me too. I was like, this is gonna go off without a hitch. As soon as you hit me up, I was like, yep, this is happening. I'm, Even having never had a conversation with you before. First conversation. How did how did our first conversation go? I think it's pretty good. I mean, if people are still listening at this point, man, high five. <laughs> we can re- we can is, review the tape. I'll email you like, hey, I don't I don't know if I if I did the this conversation. This might need right. to come out in two parts. <laughs> uh, it'll be okay. Because this was a long one. But yeah, thank you for having me. This is excellent. Appreciate you guys. The number you have dialed has been changed. The new number is... Yeah, so that was the Carly Hustle episode. Hope you guys enjoyed it. I just got back from my DJ gig. When I left, it was 6 6 p.m. It's now 3.07. I'm pretty damn drunk. I've had a lot of whiskey. There were technical difficulties abound. I don't want to talk about it, but we did get pizza. We did get pizza. I'm really drunk, and I just have to record an outro because there's an outro. But thank you for tuning in. Go to CarlyHustle.com. Check out that that hustle bow tie. Check out, <laughs> yo, I'm so, yo, I'm so drunk. I'm so fucking drunk. <laughs> yo, if you sat through this shit and you hear me this drunk, let's say you sat through it. I don't know. Yo, I'm so fucking drunk right now. <laughs> they made me drink all the whiskey. All of the whiskey. It was so crazy. All the whiskey in the world. <laughs> I'm gonna go to sleep now. It's three in the morning. It's not even that late. It's not even that late. If you stay up late, it's three in the morning. If I wake up at eight o'clock, I still get five hours of sleep. If I wake up at six, meet my bad. Nine, I can still get six hours of sleep. It's not that late. Man, listen. So, wait a minute. Check it out. Hold up. Hold up. Hold up. Hold up. Hold up. Hold up. You listen to the Carly Hustle episode. Check out CarlyHustle.com. Hustle with Bowtie. Busy. Those shirts are fucking dope. I hope you got something good from this conversation. I really don't think y'all played this shit to the end because you did. You would hear me being, yo, wait. I rode my bike home in the rain. My nigga, 
I rode a bike home in the rain from a DJ gig. What is my life? <laughs> I'm so drunk right now. I am so fucking drunk right now. All I know is that shout out to friends and lovers. Shout out to my party. Uh, maybe pizza. I'm going to call it maybe pizza. I think I might call it maybe pizza or body roll invitational. But maybe pizza is the party name because pizza just happens there. All right. I want to go to sleep. And this is going to take a long time to fucking render or whatever. Yo, I'm really drunk. And I'm not going to listen to this because I don't want to hear what I sound like drunk. But I'm really drunk. Bad with names. 3 a.m. I'm drunk. And my landlord still hasn't cut on the fucking heat. So, yeah. Pray for me. I've got a bag of uh, Pepper's Farm cookies. I'm going to eat some of those and render this. And you'll hear this. Tomorrow morning, remember, if you hear me talking, hashtag sat through it drunk, or I don't know. I have nothing to give you, but just let me know you sat through this shit because I'm fucked up. Bad with names, Don Will, I'm out of here. Peace.